They have done nothing but annoy the public. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, April 19, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 401. This is No Agenda. Reading Compendia, so you don't have to here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And indeed, it's Formula 401 day here in Northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning with a stinger. What's Formula 401? Uh, you don't know. No, I don't. What's Formula 401? Typical. Oh, what is that? Like now, I'm a, now I'm a, I'm a millennial or something, or I'm a loser. <laughs> you don't know what Formula Four Hundred One is, you idiot. I didn't say that. I said typical. Yeah. Well, what is it then? It's a uh, very interesting cleaning solution. Oh. And that's what we're doing here on the No Agenda Show: cleaning, cleaning your brain, cleaning your brain so it works. <laughs> and uh, it's so true, actually. <laughs> It was a uh, it was an indi- it's a very interesting story. I think they finally did get bought up by Procter and Gamble or something. But I think initially, it was an independent guy who was selling this stuff and he was doing it through inf- advertor infomercials. It's a very good product, and he and one of the big uh, conglomerate, one of the big giant companies, Colgate or uh, one of Johnson and boys, Johnson, probably. Johnson, one of them. Yeah, they said this is guys making too much money because it was a it was it was a different way a different formulation for cleaning it had some new chemical that had just been developed uh-huh. so they started to go after him to, to, to seek <laughs> him and it killed him no <laughs> he, he apparently had so much margin on this that he lowered the price and killed them wow what, what was their competing product i wonder like I mr clean or something was, there, there are half the products on the market now that have these spray top cleaners or, right or right it comes in a windex like bottle i think I, I do remember this 40 formula 401 yeah, and yeah. so anyway, so the, he, but then after, then he kind of won the game, and then somebody, I think, just bought him out, and that yeah. was the end of it. Well, anyway, we are indeed here to uh, clean your brain. It's been uh, fouled up and uh, just fouled, just fouled by uh, mainstream media, and uh, and that includes not just television, but newspapers and radio, and there's all kinds of mud and poop in your head right now, and we're going <laughs> to take our toilet brush and, and clean it all out. <laughs> So in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. And in the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, uh, people in the submarines and the uh, <laughs> washing ashore and the legs around the, the, the soldiers. Okay. Oh, well, let me start off with that one right away. I have the funniest thing. You know, my favorite one about this, besides the fact that everybody got so worked up about it, was a bunch of goofballs. They picked up some body parts and took some photos, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite one was the guys. You see the photo? The guy's got one of the, somebody's hand on his shoulder, and he's like, "Whoa, what's this?" You know, it's just like it's just a Halloween gag. Well, you know what this is all about. I think, so they want to. They, oh, heads must roll. Yeah. Hey, heads have already hey, rolled. That's what they're talking about. There's, there's not just feet on the ground there. There's there's legs and kneecaps and all kinds of bits and pieces. This is so funny. How we it's all get such disrespect for the dismembered body of a of a of a suicide bomber. What? Yeah, it's like millions of people have been killed already in the past ten years. Like, oh, this is so disrespectful. I'm telling you, why don't we do executions on national television? This would be great for our production company. This, this, that's the next step. Ay, ay, ay. Well, I have been enjoying the continuation of the hookers and blow in, uh, in Colombia. 
uh, been. Well, that's a good story to follow. Yeah, it's 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 funny, and now of course uh, the Secret Service is jumping all over Ted Nugent. <laughs> oh, Ted Nugent! Oh. Because, you know what kills me about the Ted Nugent story because I've heard it a couple of times. Is the one of the Politico I think said this? They said, "Is Ted Nugent a Hil- the Hillary Rosen moment for the Republicans?" Ted Nugent does not work for the Republicans. No, I mean he's just some rock and roll guy. I mean, he can't anyone have a freedom of speech anymore? Hillary Rosen worked for the Democratic National Committee. Yeah. I mean, yeah. give me a break. Who comes up with these? These oh, you, know, well, you can't say anything. Well, I, I just love watching these women in the morning on CNN and Fox, and I like their legs. Although CNN doesn't show legs because you know they don't have no. good good looking ones. <laughs> they, they just show a picture of that blowing up guy's legs, <laughs> and, and they're like, "Oh, he's crazy." He, he yeah, he's he, for twenty thirty years. He's the mad. He's the Motor City madman. We He's know this. Been this. We way. know this. So what else is new? Uh, <laughs> but um, here's so the uh, you know so of course you know we're oh full investigation and we let the boss down. No, you didn't. You did exactly what the boss wanted you to do. You did a good job uh, with the hookers there in Columbia to distract attention from the true message, as uh, reiterated in the wonderful newsletter you sent out uh, yesterday, John. Good job on that. Um, Thank you. This newsletter, by the way, got me unfortunately kind of sidetracked on on something i mentioned in the newsletter and i didn't realize i mean i knew that we always know it was bad the, the fact that we have six media companies in this country and every one of them is attached to a movie studio every one of them mm-hmm. and and all you get and i have some clips later i'll play when i start to get irked about this <laughs> all you get on the news now is just promotion promotion for movie clips yeah by the way it's formula 409 and not 401 <laughs> typical, isn't it? Isn't that just typical? <laughs> Thank you very That's much, typical. Art, for sending that in. Okay, so now we're going to switch to the Pentagon and Barbara. Ah, what's her last name? You know, the one that looks like what Lurch. Four hundred one refer to four hundred one refers to something. Four hundred one is another HTTP uh, code. No, it's a three hundred one. Go on. I'm sorry, but the so we've got uh, Lurch there at the Pentagon. Barbara at CNN, whatever her name is, and she's got her own little office. And uh, she says the most remarkable thing about military being involved in this whole scandal. Uh, is this a, a bad couple of days, a bad couple of apples, maybe as many as 10 in the military? Or is this a sign uh, that perhaps this has happened before and before and there's a cultural problem? They just never got caught. Well, you know, it's the same thing you and Jessica were just talking about, to be very candid. Of course there's drinking in the U.S. military, and of course uh, people in the U.S. military engage prostitutes. (laughs) Of course! This is a fact! (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) Did you notice the meme that that was what's the uh, uh, John King... Yeah. Did you notice the meme that he said it? And I now I realize it's a meme because I've heard it over and over. Bad apple. Oh yeah, but it's a do 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 do. Hey, do 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 do. Name the song. Do 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 do. Hey, the Osmond brothers. The Osmond Osmond brothers. One bad apple don't spoil a whole bunch of girls. And uh, so now there's more pictures of uh, clippity clop uh, Hillary Lucifer Clinton living it up there with her girls in. Uh, in the nightclub, and 
I, yeah, this is just the stupidity of, of what... This is the stuff we're taking the toilet brush to your brain for. Listen to this report from Wolf. Apparently, even the Secretary of State needs to let loose every now and then. Take a look at these photos of Secretary Hillary Clinton dancing Woo! and enjoying a beverage a in Colombia. She was spotted at a place described in the travel guide Lonely Planet as the perfect location to, quote... Shake your rum. Yes, she is in Colombia attending the summit of the Americas. And I shake your rum, baby. It's the perfect place to shake. Shake Shake your rump. rump. Yeah, it was probably ass, but okay. And but now listen to Wolf. (laughs) I know that those pictures, Wolf, have gone viral. But you know what? She's letting loose, having a little fun. Let her enjoy. You know, she works really, really hard for all of us. She enjoys. She should have a little free time as well. I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let her enjoy. Yeah, it's okay. Let her enjoy. Let her have a little free time. She works really hard. News reporting is. There you go. Just got to give her her props with her clippity clops. Yeah, it's just crazy. Okay, so I, I had a clip and I was going to a local news clip, um, not Austin, but Houston. And I was going to surprise you with it. And then I saw that you tweeted the story. So it's not a not a big surprise. I'm a little disappointed, but at least you don't have the clip. So I'd like no. to uh, I'd like to warm you up today with some incredible shut up slave news here from Gitmo Nation Tejas. But a new program is placing undercover officers on that bus, kind of like air marshals on a plane. <laughs> Local two investigator Joel Eisenbaum has much more now from on board a metro bus. Tens of thousands of people in Houston rely on these buses every day to get them where they're going safely. This new program is designed to maximize that safety, but does it come at a cost? We have covered a series of crimes over the years that have happened on Metro buses and at Metro bus stops. Sexual assaults are especially scary. Well, a new initiative called Bus Safe aims to make the Metro bus riding experience safer. Today we announce that if you think you're going to be a bad actor on buses, get ready. You're going to have a short-lived time frame. Now, this is that wacko. Did you hear the bad apple? Ba- no, she said bad actor. Bad actor. Oh, I thought she said bad apple. No, well, it's, it's almost the same thing. So that's the wacko Sheila Jackson Lee. This woman, by the way. Oh, she is so, she I is have, such an a-hole. I have no How idea. How those people in Texas Put keep up putting with her in Thank office? you. I have no idea. But this is the kind of report that is very, very dangerous. And I have another 30 seconds here. So the idea is, and you'll hear at the end of the report, that these are actually TSA um, employees. I can't even call them officers because they're not officers of the law. They set it up. They see they they trick you into thinking this is going to be like the air marshals program, which is not the TSA. Our marsh, air marshals sit in the plane, are armed, are known um, by the cabin crew. And when something happens, then these guys will get up and, you know, take you out, which I think is actually, you know, a pretty good deal to have uh, air marshals. I'm OK with that. They're just, you know, in, they're discreet. They're just hanging out. No, but these guys will, are not sitting and waiting for something to happen. They're going to search you and they're going to search your possessions and your bag to make sure you're not a bad How do we actor. We know that they're not a criminal. Well, well, listen to this. So, so in this type of report, you need to get your man on the street. Right. So you interview 50 people and you pull out two that think it's great. Now, when it comes to the search, which is more egregious even than just them being there at all. Listen to what they found to put into this report to justify 
that it's good, even by having a person who's against the search. But why she's against the search is hilarious. This is a national pilot program which puts undercover officers on metro buses. They're not officers. They're TSA employees. Sniffing out trouble before it happens. It's kind of sniffing out trouble before it happens. What's that? They have like some magic pre-crime radar. Uh, they can they have the dogs sniffing it out. They're dogs akin to air marshals, but for buses. They're not air marshals. Thinks a good idea. It's a lot of bad people riding the buses. Hey, it's a bad. It's a good idea. A lot of bad people hang on the buses. Uh, we all need to be protected. Yeah. But that safety will apparently come somewhat at the expense of civil liberties. Yeah, like the Fourth Amendment. These officers will be able to search bags at random, and canines might be brought in. But you don't like the bag searches. Now, why doesn't she like the bag search? Can you guess? She's got a uh, diaphragm in oh, there. No, not at all. Because I carry like a lot of food, me and people always ask me for my food. No, oh, because that's my food. <laughs> oh, you don't want the dog sniffing it. I don't want people that was after my food. I don't want people going after my food. Oh. The bus safe program is a collaboration between the Congresswoman, Metro, Precinct 7 Constables, and the TSA. In downtown, Joel Eisenbaum. That's really egregious. <laughs> Air marshals. I mean, that, this, is such, this is propaganda to such a degree. To such a degree. Ah, oh, just shut up. We can search you. We're sniffing it out before it happens. That's because we're searching you. Yeah. So I got a bunch of some very interesting notes on uh, some Why of the Why do we TSA put up action. with it? We, one I'm of our uh, just getting um, nights. You know, I, I, should just, I should just take the bus, and if one of those a-holes tries to search my crap, I mean, you will see me on the 6 o'clock news. I'll be like that dude who took off his clothes at the airport. Well, something like that's going to happen. Bus, bus patrons are not... Half of them don't know what the hell's going on anyway. Not to say that they don't know what's going on. Uh, and they, I'm sure they don't, they're not even, and many of them probably have never been in an airport, especially in Houston. No offense to the Houstonians that actually help us here. Uh, well, we do have a, a pretty big airport here, an international airfield. Yeah, I'm saying but people, there's a lot of people that have never flown in their lives. Yeah, and they're going to now be confronted with these idiots. Well, you know, and and they take the the easiest people to overrumple. Is that a word? <laughs> to overrumple. I think it's a Dutch word that I just made up. Just to you know to confuse them because people on buses may you know the patrons as you say they they may you know and by the way buses do suck. I mean there's a lot of weirdos on the buses, which is why I'm not. If the bus company, the Metro, if they had uh, air marshals, you know, bus marshals sitting there going to kick someone's ass, I, that would be good. But to have the government, TSA employees sitting there doing that, sniffing it out, searching your stuff. Oh, and then once that, you know, that'll be deemed a successful program. And then we're on to the next. Yeah. And here's what here's what the real problem is with all these programs is that once they're put in place. Can't get rid you of can't take them out of place because no. you can't pull them back because if you do and any little thing happens and everybody because everyone's it's all political right mm-hmm. so I'm the next president I pull this I kill the TSA and some guy stubs his toe on an airplane and the plane blows up and it's attributed <laughs> to uh, terrorists it's my fault yeah yeah, oh, yeah. they have caught nobody no. they've caught zero people they have done nothing but annoy the public yeah. And they're pushy. They're they're a. We have our, our night Alan Bean. 
I wrote in. Uh, oh yeah, I saw that. A, a yeah. note about how he was. He was, you know, he opted out in Oakland. Do you need me to and, to, to find that note real quick? Uh, you want to find it? Yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. I I uh, I got it ready because you asked me to actually get something right. Um, here we go. Yeah, I want you to read it. Uh, I and my pretend wife. <laughs> Uh, that's the label she has chosen for me to call her rather than girlfriend since we're both past 60 and unmarried. Departed Oakland on, road to, on route to Portlandia last Thursday morning at 6 a.m. TSA were using the backscatter radiation machines at the Oakland airport rather than the magnetometers. I opted out. I uh, received the opt-out, opt-out, uh, singing out by the doofuses who occupied the security positions, was patted down after a slight delay and was declared safe. Proceeded to my designation and destination, had a good hiking, eating experience once again in the Portland area. When we came back, we were exposed to the millimeter radio wave exposure machines. We were not allowed to opt out. I asked the TSA doofuses if it was a radiation machine. They said, no, only radio waves, which, of course, is kind of what this is the same thing. No. Then talk to us. They're different. I mean, the millimeter wave is a radio wave. It's not. Uh, it's not uh, ionizing radiation. It's not an X-ray. Well, how come you can't opt out of those? That doesn't well, sound right. I don't know that that's true. I have seen. I cannot find anything that says you can't opt out of that. In fact, I've seen quite the ob- the opposite. You can opt out of, ev- yeah, I of think every they're, screening. They're, I think machine. they're full of crap there in the uh, Portlandia in, area. In Portlandia, I think uh, this needs to be looked into. Or I would recommend our night. File a formal complaint, complaint. Yes. with the TSA. People are not complaining enough. You should file a formal complaint with the TSA. Find out who your local congressman is and send him a copy yeah. by mail. And you got to get these people's names. Yeah, getting the names is already a badge number if they have one, which they like to wear a badge, so they probably all have badge numbers. <sighs> I've got a badge. I hate these guys. I'm on minimum wage and I've got a badge. Uh, I, got, I got a lot to go through, so why don't we uh, thank... Do we have executive producers? I think we do, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, let's thank some of them before we uh, jump into some of the stuff I've been working on this week. Working, working. Yeah, working. Okay, let's start with uh, Black, Black Knight uh, Kelly Spongberg, also known as Metal Dog Machines. I uh, don't you know how this <laughs> came through kind of oddly. Metal Dog Machines. Hmm. Yeah, Metal Dog Machines. Uh, he also, that. if I don't have my... Uh, I shall Google that. Metal Dog yes. Machines. Uh, and he, he, it may also have come from Dame Andrea, who's his wife. Oh, yes. So I don't know. But it's with 404. So he's the first a member of the 404 Club. Oh, so right on. A double. Cool. Melissa Carbray in Orlando Park, Illinois, at 401, which is today's show, member of the 401 Club. Is, and her name is pronounced Coglanice. Even though it says Carbray, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. Anyway, thank you for all the work you do making the best podcast in the universe. My <coughs> friend Julian introduced me to your show about a year and a half ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Sorry for being a boner for so long. Hopefully you'll consider this a down payment on a dame hood. You, you keep to keep tap of tabs on this, and you can you let us know when you make it. Can you please uh, give me a de-douching and a big shot of karma for my expected career transition? Did you notice that our theme of our show is people changing, changing jobs? Changing jobs, yeah, absolutely. And, and our marriage, since sharing love and love is great. Oh, absolutely. De-douching and karma for you, future dame. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. And thank you for coming in as a member of the 401 Club. Yeah, and Robert Suarez in Portland, Oregon, Portland. He actually is in uh, Tigard, 
which I've been pronouncing Tiggard. And so he wrote a note in to, uh, to correct me because it's kind of, I guess, humiliating to be from Tigger. And um, he's got a note to you. Do you have it? I'm just seeing the note now. So why don't you read on and I'll uh, see yeah, okay. if I can find uh, his email. He needs some uh, podcast audience karma. I uh, could use a little more. We, since we, oh, we need more listeners, we do. Trailer Clash, the movie trailers podcast are over at Trailer clash.com we don't have time or money to review movies so we just review the movie trailers so that's some site that he's promoting oh he sent in a, a note about the gay joke that we didn't understand about the full-fledged gay joke on the last episode yeah uh john john and you seem to be stumped by the gay joke in episode 400 thinking it might be some kind of coded language i listened to it a few times realized it's just a simple wordplay it has to do with the word practicing which can be used as either an adjective or a verb the comment was regarding practicing homosexuals, the adjective for meaning people who are practitioners of homosexuality. The joke was in changing it to the, ver oh, to the verb form as in practicing to be a homosexual. This is why the reporter com commented, they have a problem with practicing homosexuals, but do they have a problem with full-fledged? Oh, okay. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, well, that's one of the, I guess, why the other guy groaned. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Get All it. Right. Get it. Funny joke. All right. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate that. Jordan DeMoss in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Right there in the middle of the best part of Hawaii, actually. 21887, uh, ITM from the ship at sea, currently on deployment. My submarine just pulled into the. Did we just do this one? Been a long. You just, no, no, I don't think so. Pulled into the land of the rising sun. Been a long time. 3333 33 subscriber. Been out at sea a long time with nothing to spend my money on. So I'm taking a portion of my hookers and blow fund to pay for the rest of my knighthood. <laughs> I think it's time to establish a new order for the ships at sea, and I would prefer to be made a lord. Do we have? We don't have him down as a knight. I th yeah, I think we do. Hold on a second. Let me double check. I would usually have the knight logo on here. Uh, Jordan Amos, yes, and he'll be. He wants to be the Lord of the No Agenda Admiralty. Well, Call out other ships at sea as douchebags for not donating. <laughs> also some. <laughs> Also, some deployment karma would be great. Please send my ring to the following. He's got a ring address. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, we can. I don't know. We yeah. have to put. We'll put together a pay. We need some of these special sub orders. Some of these things, whether you're like a member of a sub club, and I think, yeah, a, or, yeah admiralty. The no agenda admiralty. That sounds like a winner. I like that. Let me give him some. Uh, he needed some uh, deployment. What do you need? Some deployment karma. Let me give him that for a second. You've got karma. Yeah, the No Agenda Admiralty. I, I think that's a good idea. We can get you, uh, yeah. And we'll send out your ring, Jordan, but you better send us the size. Mm -hmm. So you didn't do that. Uh, James Murray in Houston, or Houston if you're in New York City, Texas. I think I might start calling it Houston, Texas. 21213, please accept this as a donation not as a donation, but as a commission for voice talent services. <laughs> My human resource, Cole, turned 16 this week, and I would like to present him with a better ringtone for his alarm. Maybe something like, hey, Cole, wake up, you lazy ass out of bed. It's time for school. Now get your lazy ass out of bed. Let's try that again. Hey, Cole, wake up. Get your lazy ass out of bed. It's time for school. Why don't you give him one? You don't sound grouchy enough. You know, say it like the old guy with the kids on the lawn. Hey, Cole. Wake up. Get your lazy ass out of bed. It's time for school. I would say you nailed it. That's the tech grouch. Nailed it. L Woldeck 
Zelenish, I'm guessing. In Fayetteville, New York, 212.12, without comment. Hyperware Technologies, Los Gatos, California, 212. These are all his associate executive producers, by the way. Uh, and he says, a donation from uh, David Foley, who's publishing Adam's Big App Show on the Roku IPTV box. Yahoo! Well, that's nice. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be very cool. So uh, I have like 47 interviews now, and they're going to... They, you know, making a um, a show, a show out of it. Yeah, it's good. You know, you know these, what? All, all these new boxes need content. So these boxes need content. We got to get content to them. Please send some karma and all the subs- to all that subscribe to the free Big App Show Roku channel in the morning. You've got karma in the morning. And then from uh, Slave Oscar, who I'm not sure if he, we want to use his name. He was vague, but he's. Send off his slave, Oscar, out of San Antonio, right up the street from you. $209.07. Fellow slaves, please accept my donation of 69.69 times 3 uh, equals $209.07. My wife, Fran, turned me on. This, this is a switcheroo. Yeah, this is and new. What JC and I got off on this one. It's like, what? Fran, my wife, turned me on to the podcast a few years ago, and this is my first gift to the deconstructors of the New World Order. Please de-douche me, and then give me a hey, citizen, and two to the head. All right, so de-douching. You've been de-douched. Hey, citizen. (laughs) It was a grunt in there. I never heard that before. It didn't quite work. Hey, citizen. Sometimes it gets a little stuck. Oh, that's a Anyways, good one. A so, triple soissonneuf. So uh, we we want to thank Fran. Yeah, thank we you. We haven't had too many women get men to listen to the show. We're always trying to have men trying to get their fiancés, wives, whatever, to listen. Well, to you me. know why. You know why. That's because uh, most women have never had a real job. <laughs> trying to stir up some controversy. That'll hey, Lois, it, yeah. can you they'll, use... They'll flock to the show. Lois, can you use that as a sound bite to get us some PR? Yeah, they had a real job. <laughs> e. Lawrence McDonald, uh, our final uh, social executive producer in Orion, Illinois, came in at $200. And we want to thank them and all the other uh, producers of No Agenda Show 401, uh, not named after the cleaning fluid. Uh, go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA, noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com and click on the donate button and help us continue to do this fine work that we uh, undertake. Dvorak.org slash NA. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, I was just getting something queued up here. We have uh, two little PR mentions to talk about today. Um, let me just make sure this is working. Hold on a second. Uh, well, the first one is the No Agenda Book Club is back. Noagendabookclub.com. And because uh, it, it, it was like deactivated or, or something had happened, I guess uh, it expired. And so now the No Agenda Book Club is back online. It actually says No Agenda Book Club, No Agenda Library at noagendabookclub.com, which is great. Very, very happy uh, to have that back. And uh, we'll be mentioning more. Uh, literature which can be stored there and you can find it um another uh, and I, I contemplated not posting this and i actually requested permission i don't know if it came in but i'm sure it's okay uh you remember um vicky in uh, shikshini pennsylvania she came down with the whole family and uh i think from i think they're from upstate new york and 
they had the uh, Happy and Distracted Slave t-shirt sign. Remember that from the Hot Pockets tour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and her friend Kathy was also going to come down, um, uh, but she's uh, fighting cancer. God, I hate that shit. And uh, so we did call her and, you know, we had a nice chat. Now she is, uh, she just had a stem cell transplant a couple of weeks ago and she's recovering. And, uh, this picture just cracked me up. They sent a picture of, uh, of Kathy. Now, because she can't have any head trauma, they made her wear, wear one of those helmets, like the spinning kids wear. Yeah. And they said, you know, you go ahead and you can decorate it. So go to Kathy.curry.com. <laughs> she just kills me. <laughs> So this is here's Kathy, one of our producers, laying in the hospital. That's Kathy with a K. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome is Kathy? Yeah, I like it. That's good. She's got a big old helmet on her head to protect her noggin, and it says "No Agenda." Ah, <laughs> oh, we love you, Kathy. Going to give you a little bit of a karma there for the PR move in the hospital. You've got karma. <laughs> so Dvorak.org slash NA, uh, support the work. We've been doing quite a lot uh, in the past couple of days, and we appreciate you being here. And, of course, if you can't do that, you can always go out and propagate our formula, which goes like this. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. So, I um, spent a lot of time doing some stuff this past week that I'd like to share with you. And actually, I, uh, I'm mad at myself, um, uh, and I need to apologize for not catching this, oh, what, almost a year ago. Uh, it make, makes me mad when, when that happens, and I'll kind of tell you what, what happened here. So, we... Um, You'll recall the Anders Breivik massacre in Norway. And that was about, what, nine or ten months ago? Yeah. Guy went out and killed everybody. So he's on trial now in Norway. And so reports are ramping up. And uh, I'll give you a little 30-second clip from, this is what caught my attention in the first place from, I think, CNN um, and I researched this, and then I decided to delve a little bit deeper. Suspect behind a deadly bomb and gun rampage in Norway is claiming self-defense. Lisa Sylvester is monitoring that, some of the other top stories in the Situation Room right now. What's so he claims self-defense. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I immediately uh, hit the, the book of knowledge, and it uh, turns out that even the court instructed the media not to translate what he says is notret, N-O-D-R-E-T-T, as self-defense, because the actual translation and the plea is defense as a necessity. So already I'm like, hmm, okay, propaganda at work, let's pay attention. Now there's only one program that even tries to deliver some type of news here in Gitmo Nation U.S., and that would be the PBS NewsHour, uh, which uh, we watch pretty religiously because you know, at least... You only get one or two movie promotions uh, during this. And 
they started to talk about this trial and I was like, whoa, what is going on? And this prompted a lot of research. So let's listen to this. I'll interrupt it at the appropriate moment. Now, the details of last summer's mass killing in Norway play out in court. We begin with a report from Martin Geisler of Independent Television News in Oslo. This was the day Anders Breivik had been waiting for. His chance to defend the seemingly indefensible, to share with the world the beliefs that drove him to commit mass murder. He seemed to be relishing the moment, seeking eye contact with the public benches. How, how, how do you, how's you like it so far? Are they, are they setting this guy up or what? Do you like it? He seemed to be keep, keep, keep going. seeking eye contact. He'd spent years preparing for this platform and killed 77 people to get it. But as he was called to take the stand, the cameras were turned off. Hey. I'm like, huh? Now, this is where my head swivels. I'm like, what? They're in the courtroom, and then the minute he gets ready to say something at this platform of his, the cameras were turned off. Fade to black, fade back up. The court authorities have a balance to strike here. While they want to limit Anders Breivik's exposure, they won't censor him. So while we can report on what was said inside this courtroom, we can't broadcast the pictures. So I immediately uh, head off to the webs. I'm like, okay. So they're not broadcasting live from the courtroom, but they can report from the courtroom. And now you're a great man if you can find an actual transcript of what he said. And he spoke for 73 minutes. No one published it. Not a single news outlet anywhere. I'm like, hmm. And as it turns out later, I didn't have to really look far because I know what he said because it was published in another place. But this to me was like, why are they not showing anything from what he's saying? For more than an hour, he read from a 13-page statement, painting himself as a national hero, protecting the white native Norwegian. Brutality is not necessarily evil, he said. It depends on your motivation. I was trying to avert a major civil war in Europe. My actions were based on goodness. He said many others shared his opinions, but their voices are suppressed. The last time there was real democracy in Europe, he said, was when Hitler came to power. So far, he sounds like a kook, right? Yep, of course. Of his victims, he said, they were not innocent, non-political children. I executed these people to strike at our multicultural ideology. We by the can't way, wait by the way, stop. I want to mention that the use, the way it was presented is, is to, to making him sound crazy. I'm going along with whatever it is you're up to. Uh, but the, the, it was implied in some weird way that he was so deluded that the last time we had democracy in Europe was when Hitler was in power. Exactly. But he, he wasn't referring to the fact that Hitler was a, Hitler's Germany was a democratic system. Correct. He just said that there was democracy somewhere in Europe, and there and then, and there, and then, was a little, there was in France, and there was in uh, and then we got Hitler, UK, and then Hitler was also, but there was the era of Hitler. Yes. And a Hitler was it, it's a, Hitler shouldn't have even been used in that analysis. But go on. But it was used for a very specific reason to make this yeah, guy sound like associate, it's association uh, yeah, technique, yeah, technique to, to yeah. make people think of long. You, you think Hitler, and now you're thinking this your, guy's your brain Hitler. is yeah. Your brain is programmed. Thinking Hitler exactly. Any longer, he said. I'm the first drop of water signaling a coming storm. Brevik said he'd toned down his rhetoric out of respect for the victims. 
many of whose families were sitting just feet away. So this makes him sound even sicker, of course. Breivik's every move and every word are being studied by a panel of psychiatrists in court. His mental state is central to this case. So this is now the case is all about is he crazy or is he not crazy? And uh, just as some background, which I clipped out of this report, uh, there is no death penalty in Norway. You can get 21 years in jail. Or if you're deemed criminally or just insane, then you'll go to a mental facility. So the, the trial is now not it is no longer about why he did it. The trial, because that, of course, is being censored. You're not allowed to see him speak. You're not allowed to hear what he has to say uh, other than these uh, little bits that are being taken randomly, which, you know, include some out of context references to Hitler. Um, but this is now about whether he's crazy or not. And of course, you know, we're all trying to think, the guy's nuts, he's crazy. And we'll determine how he's punished. He'll stay on the stand under cross-examination, which could last another four days. So now we uh, switch back to the studio at PBS, and now a conversation comes up about the censorship part of it. And it's very interesting, and this is what really got me on a tangent. But is, has, has concern been expressed that this, even though what he says isn't televised, that this trial is giving him a platform to air his views? This to me was like, whoa, my brain is now fried. Wait, it's not being televised, but yet it is a platform to air his views? How does that work? Yeah, the, the, there are no audio or video of his statement, but it, but it will be written out. You can see it on the uh, the internet. Uh, to um, and also this trial is is broadcasted all over Norway to local courthouses, so that the relatives and and the families of the victims can uh, see and hear him if they if they want to. Uh, that is a, a closed mm -hmm. trial for them. Uh, but but you you can you can see the, the the detail still. But the court does not want to be a platform for for his extremist views. Now let me just. Uh ask you a question before we continue john it makes no sense to me in a modern intelligent society if someone has done this and of course i uh do not condone killing in any form if someone has done this would it not be good to know why would it i mean mein kampf is not outlawed we can read that to find out what what hitler was thinking does this make sense to censor his message well, this was the big uh, topic of discussion during the Kaczynski uh, period when we had the Unabomber. And he had written a, uh, a long diatribe that he demanded for some he – was, he was doing a quid pro quo of some sort. He wasn't going to kill somebody. He wasn't going to do a bomb. He wasn't going to do something if they would print his, uh, his manifesto mm -hmm. in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And there was a big discussion about whether they should do this or not, because I don't know if they think the public is, is well, you know, let, let's take a look at the reality of the situation. The public at large has been dumbed down to such an extreme by the school systems that it is possible that they could read something like, you know, the the Kaczynski manifesto and then all, you know, fall in line. I mean, there's a fear by the government because they, they don't know what they're dealing with with, an, with a public that's been turned into a bunch of boneheads. So they don't know what to do. And this is universal. This is obviously the case of in, in Norway, too, which is turning into kind of a lazy state because of all the free money that they have. But be that as it may, uh, let's 
they finally decided to to print the manifesto after a large, long debate. And it was only by printing the manifesto that they ever caught the guy because all the profilers were all wrong. You're supposed to be a guy in his 20s, a neat freak, which was anything but a neat freak. And they had they couldn't they wouldn't have caught this guy in a million years, except for the fact that his brother read the manifesto that was published mm-hmm. and noticed it was some usages in there that were that only his brother he's ever heard do and he got suspicious and called the FBI they would have never caught the guy the guy would still be bombing people if they hadn't have done this so this by just by definition is bad you if if somebody is on trial and he has something to say about it, why he did it i think the public has a right to know what this is thank you he's not going to get everybody all riled up what are they thinking well unless the message that he has is so powerful and so spot on that people do get riled up about it and the government is worried about that. Does that, did that possibility ever enter into your mind? The possibility, I think, is, has entered into the government's mind. To be honest about it, it has not entered into my mind and I don't believe it's possible in this day and age to get anybody riled up about anything if you just take a look at what's going on in our country with the TSA. So very important is, well, let me just finish this out because now uh, this is the guy who works for the Norwegian uh, public broadcasting, and he is going to try and explain why they decided not to do this. Uh, and he stutters and fumbles like a like a blithering idiot over his explanation. And this got me interested. But I mean, has there been discussion within Norway that that the openness of this trial is giving him that platform. I think in his manifesto that he posted online just before doing the deed, he said something like, um, you're tr- urging others to do the same. Your trial will be your world stage. Uh, there, there has been a lot of discussion how to cover this. And uh, my uh, company in the Norwegian public broadcasting has uh, decided uh, to uh, to, to uh, mute some of the, the audio. Uh, there are uh, gruesome, grueful uh, details of what has happened, and it's too close for us in Norway, while other media, international media, might broadcast more of it. But his statement is, is not being broadcasted in, in the video or audio at all, only uh, like, like a written uh, reference, which, uh, which some media do, do refer. Because... <sighs> written it's too close what all right all right enough of this so tuesday night when the story came out around uh midnight i googled for his manifesto which is not a manifesto it's a compendium uh what is a compendium john well, a compendium would be a uh, a list of or, or a kind of a compressed list of perhaps grievances. Uh, I, can, I believe I don't know the exact. Uh, well, let's look up the well, exact definition. We, let's do that right now. The book of so while you're looking that up, uh, it's concise, mm-hmm. so yet comprehensive compilation of a body of knowledge. There you go. Okay. It's so a, it uh, is a compendium. Not a manifesto, but a compendium. It is called 2083, a European Declaration of Independence. I spent the next, up until 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, reading all 1,557 pages, sorry, 1,518 pages of his compendium, and I was blown away. This is, it is a compendium. 
he wrote very little of it himself. And this is why I was angry, because I can recall us going like, oh, what kind of idiot, 1,500 pages, doesn't even speak English. Remember we were like, we were like laughing about it? Well, we weren't laughing about it. We were skeptical. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel bad. I don't think we were laughing about it. I feel bad. So it's broken down into three parts, and I can summarize it pretty, pretty quickly. I can't hear anything. Hello? Do you hear me? Uh, now I can. Yeah. I'm You've up. been cutting out on and off, but it hasn't been like a normal uh, Skype distortion cutout. It's just oh, dead air. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I can see it. I can see I've got some kind of. I can see I've got some kind of problem here. Hold on. I have a problem too. I have an ant on my microphone. Oh, I can't log into the broadcaster anymore. The stream is hmm. Hmm. Okay, we're back. Good. It looks like we had some kind of, it was a hiccup on my side. I could see the connection broke. All right. You with me? Well, I was until you, you I was saying that I, we weren't laughing about it. We were skeptical. Right. But, we, but what, what I didn't do is I didn't go and read it. And I feel so stupid because we could have had this conversation so much earlier and we could have been ready for it. Oh. So, so, in the, so it's basically broken down to three sections. First section is an introduction. Second section is a history lesson. A very interesting history lesson. And the third section is about uh, what to do and uh, where to take this. And the, the entire first section has nothing to do with, and I'll, I'll note, by the way, he did not kill any Muslims. Uh, and he's being you know, portrayed as crazy, anti-Islamic uh, nut, nutcase. The first, um, and this is also, again, it's a compendium. So everything has sources. It has a web page, a lot of Wikipedia, I have to say. So take that with a grain of salt. But... Uh, he, he apparently spent several years putting this together. And um, he's, he st- starts off by stating that the European Union was started by a bunch of elites who decided that they would um, rule the entire Euroland region by cultural Marxism. And I, didn't, I was not familiar with the term cultural Marxism. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, but I haven't heard of it for a while. So, cultural Marxism is a controlling mechanism that is introduced through the use of political correctness. And this, like, oh, now now I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. And political correctness has been used since the the mid-50s, not just throughout Europe, but in the United States as well, um, to essentially create a slow motion coup d'etat because you can't say all these things that are really on your mind. And as that just keeps on going and going and the media and ed- the education system teaches you to be politically correct. At the end of the day, you wind up not being able to say anything for fear of complete uh, peer and social um, uh, outrage at the things you say. I lost you. I lost you. All right. Hold on. Uh, I should be back. Wow. Uh, something's bad today. You got me again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something's bad. Um, so did you get the part about the... Yeah, no, the political correctness has been a plague on, on free speech is what it's been a plague exactly. on. And it's, exactly. People can't say what they mean. They can't use certain words. They're, instead, of the, instead of arguing against an idea, you argue against the word, the usages. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't say that or you can't do that. My daughter is a subject to this in the school that she goes to. Oh, you, that's not nice. That's right. You this- shouldn't say that. That's not, you can't say that. You, you know, it's like, who says? 
Exactly. Who says I can't say that? And by the well, way, a lot of people... Nobody, we don't have a source who says you can't say it. You just can't say it because it's not right. It's not politically correct. It's incorrect. But what's, you know, the whole thing is, you know, we have to, you have to fight this uh, constantly. So this is exactly what he says in his opening uh, book one of his uh, compendium. And by the way, a lot of people listening to this are going to roll their eyes and go, you're crazy, Curry. You're out of your mind. I can't believe you. this is a madman. Bear with me for a second, because this is very, very interesting. I lived in Europe for many, many years, and I saw this political correctness take place. And you literally just, I mean, anyone in the United States of Europe will understand what I'm talking about. And even if you're in America, you've seen this political correctness grow, and you're right, we have to fight this. So this is how he starts off, and he says this is what the the, the elites used to create the European Union, and they got it to the point where it wasn't even politically correct to say, screw this European Union crap, we shouldn't be a part of this, we shouldn't join up, it's going to ruin our individual, our individuality as countries, our sovereignty, but no one spoke up. And when they did, then it was like, shut up, you're being politically incorrect, you're not being a part of the team, you're not being part of the whole European vibe, uh, no more votes for you. That, to me, was like, so that rang true when I was reading this. Then he goes into his second book, which is a history of Islam. And he focuses a lot of attention on the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire, and I'm talking five, six hundred pages here of, of historical uh, documentation uh, about Marxists, socialists, and uh, and how that relates to the Barbers, which I believe is where we get the word barbarian from, uh, and how the Ottoman Empire pillaged and rampaged throughout what he calls Eurabia since six or seven hundred. Does that ring true to you? Any of this? Yeah, you the the reports of this are pretty common. This is not a this is not a history lesson that's a secret. Ah, but when I went to school. I think we spent 30 minutes of an entire hour on the Ottoman Empire. Well, when I went to school, even, I don't think we ever, at least high school, I don't think we ever talked about the Ottoman Empire, except maybe just mentioned the name of it. I mean, that history is so old that nobody uh, teaches it. We were, in fact, the teaching of American history and the American Revolution is not even taught much anymore. I don't know that they even teach any history in, in school today because you can go, it's not, a, it's not a screwy, that jaywalking segment on The Tonight Show where you go and you just ask people on the street certain things. Most people don't know anything. They don't know when, you know, when World War II is. I, I, like the guy said on the show we did recently where he, he was introduced as a veteran of World War Eleven. <laughs> because of the two, the Roman numeral two, and this is by a high school teacher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is pretty grim. So, um, I don't know anything about the Ottoman Empire, or I didn't, and uh, and you know, he he lists all these sources, and again, it's, most of it's Wikipedia, but there are other sources as well, and other uh, scholarly documents. And so, I looked at a few of them. So they check out at least it's saying the same thing. And there apparently have been <clears throat> two major waves of Islam trying to take over Europe and create Eurabia. And the Ottoman Empire, of course, was based in Turkey, Constantinople, and uh, that's where the Barbers came out and they tried to go westward to capture all of Europe. And I, th I don't think that's really disputed. 
but it was interesting to read about all the all, all these different guys who were in charge, and it was very bloody. And this again, the the barbers is where we got the word barbarians from. Then he goes into the uh, Crusades. Now, what I was always taught about the Crusades is at a certain point, uh, the church decided, let's go tell all these idiots that they got to believe in God. And we went and killed a whole bunch of them. And I'm not kidding. That's how I was taught. Does this make any sense to you? Well, the Crusades have always been kind of glossed over in school. Uh, and there's just generalities that have been made. I, it wouldn't surprise me that that wouldn't be one of them. But anyway, get, I think you're taking too long getting to whatever point you're trying to make. No, no, I'm not. It's very. It's, you can't look. It's 1,500 pages. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to explain to you what's in here. The, and it's a history lesson that I was unaware of, and I think is probably probably have been instructed incorrectly. The Crusades were actually. The uh, uh, they were of course the the Roman Catholic Church uh, stopping the barbarians, the uh, uh, the barbers from trying to take over Europe, and so then he goes in and this is this is where it gets interesting. He starts listing all of these crusaders all the way to. Well, well before you go on, we first we did get some real historical foundation here. The barbarians were the. Technically, were those who who have attacked from the east, yes. not from the Middle East, and the Crusades were tur- was Turkey. An- Turkey is the east. You would agree with me, right? No, oh. the the barbarians came from Hungary. The Magyars, all okay. these ver- various barbarian tribes, which are all uh, essentially, in some funny way, founded by Genghis Khan. And they were the barbarians that were a problem, but that was during the Roman Empire mostly. Mm-hmm. And this, the Muslim movement, and at the time, by the way, the Muslims did have a more advanced civilization. I don't know if he goes into that, but they're the ones who developed most of modern mathematics and all the rest of it. And we had to steal that back from them. And they quite quickly took over most of Southern Europe during this era when they had a... Uh, um, they had superiority in, in a number of fields. And then they, they had, it took a long time to get them pushed back into the Middle East. And I, was, I believe during that era when the Crusades came along to really kind of finish the job off. But, that, but the Crusades were somewhat dimensional because there, there was other political reasons for the Crusaders and who went on the Crusades and all the rest of it. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess to try to, to, to actually get straightened out in, in a historical sense of what, what, what happened, why did it happen, and all the rest of it. What, I'm not absolutely sure. Exactly. Uh, that's, but that's my point. That, thank you very much. That's exactly why I'm trying to lay this out, because it's not clear to me. I'm just telling you, I'm reiterating what he writes. And it's very drawn out. But then he goes through all these crusaders, including Vlad the Impaler. And Vlad the Impaler, you know, I've always said, this is some guy who, like, just, you know, went around impaling people, and he was horrible. Uh, but apparently quite the opposite. He was a hero, uh, according to the compendium. Vlad the Impaler stopped uh, the Ottoman Empire, and he comes up eventually to the Battle of Vienna. This was the second Islamic wave. This is when the Turkish uh, were trying to invade uh, Vienna at the the gates of Vienna in 1683, which was stopped. Um, And, you know, that is uh, seen as a... Uh, a major stake in the ground, and that's why he talks about 2083 being 
the final uh, uh, third stop of the third wave of the Islamification of Europe. And so if you follow his logic all the way through, he's saying the elites of Europe brought in political correctness to dumb down the European populace. And then once that was all done and they're all on board, then they opened up the borders and said, come on in, Islam, do whatever you want. We won't stop you because we need more slaves to do our dirty work so we can just be the elites up here and do whatever we need. And um, he states explicitly states he is not against Muslims, uh, but he is against uh, the uh, the European Union allowing Islam to come in. And the Islamists, as he says, were very happy because they're like, hey, three times a charm. We're going to go in. Uh, we're going to take over Europe. We're going to create Arabia, And we don't need any guns or any swords. We have to kill anybody. All we have to do is go in. Uh, uh, make babies, and right now the ratio, and this I know pretty much to be true, the ratio is uh, 1.4 children per uh, Western European couple to 3.5 for the immigrant population. Then we'll take over the democratic uh, system, and it will finally be Eurabia. And he sees this as, and this is the same thing that Geert Wilder says, Pim Fortuyn said, uh, Theo van Gogh said, the difference between those guys and this guy is his way of stopping it. He says, I have to stop the socialists. So he's against the socialists who are propagating uh, political correctness through cultural Marxism. And that's why he killed the next generation of socialists. Yeah, I think that's what he did but, or tried to do. And so when you uh, what we did not hear on television is actually uh, he it's printed out because apparently there's more of him. Uh, He says, here's what you say when you get your platform. And he compares himself to Crazy Horse. Which is great, of course, because, you know, crazy is as crazy does. But Crazy Horse was, of course, a a hero of the uh, indigenous people of America. And I think what is happening here, and no one, I I, I tried to find any analysis, any mainstream analysis, any university analysis of his compendium. It's not out there. No one has done an analysis because I believe if people actually understand that political correctness leads to the demise of Europe. I'm not talking about Islam, but the political correctness aspect of it leads you into a dumbed down, idiotic populace. That's what they're afraid of people catching on to. And that's why they're censoring that. Well, if you wanted to be really cynical like I might be. Please. I would say it's too late to worry about it. Mm. I th- yes, I agree. I think that uh, it is. We might still be in time here in the United States. Yeah, possibly. And that that was where I wanted to take it is that. Although I I'm have my I doubts live. based on you know this, this TSA crap. Yeah, and in fact, this thing you started off with, what which was the Houston uh, incident, or now ongoing, um, you know, it just doesn't bode well. I mean, and you have people like this idiot uh, Congresswoman uh, Maxine, not it's Sheila Jones, Sheila, Sheila Jackson. Well, I think Sheila Jackson. I think it's worse. I think it's worse. I think, and this we talked about this a few episodes ago. This uh, this phrase. This congressional Republican budget is something different altogether. It is a Trojan horse. 
Disguised as deficit reduction plans, it is really an attempt to impose a radical vision on our country. It is thinly veiled social Darwinism. So this is the meme that uh, the Obama administration is propagating, saying that uh, the Republican budget is social Darwinism. Now, who used social Darwinism in the past? Hitler. Yes. And, and Hitler, I mean, that is, that is the guy. And I'm like, wow, I think what is going on here is that the, oh, we have a saying in Holland, wat je zegt ben jezelf met je kop door de helft, which means what you say someone else is, is actually what you are. And I'm going to read this quote to you. Tell me who said this. We are socialists. We are enemies of today's capitalistic e- economic system for the exploitation of the economically weak with its unfair salaries and its unseeming, unseemly evaluation of a human being according to wealth and property instead of responsibility and performance. Who said that? Karl Marx. No, Hitler. Oh, well. But this is exactly what the Democratic Party is saying. They're saying, we're tired of an unfair system. We all have to pay our fair share, do our, do our bit, contribute. This is exactly what Obama keeps saying. Yeah, fair share. Fair share, unfair salaries, unfair tax system. It's all unfair. I, I really think that this is the, the true danger is the ones accusing others of being social Darwinists. They probably are doing that themselves. Well, and I don't think probably is, is the right word. Certainly. Yeah. Right. But that's when you pull the Hitler card on somebody and it goes undiscussed. Have you heard anyone on the news say, hey, social Darwinism, that's what Hitler said. I didn't no. hear that. No, you don't hear that. So they're pulling the Hitler card and no one's saying anything. That can only be because they are the Hitler card. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't, wouldn't argue against it. Well, it's it, um, it's this is the the toilet but again, brush. Like I said, the American public doesn't care. The entire population has given up caring. That is not true. We have at least five thousand people listening to the show who care. Yeah, let's it's see, three hundred million five. That's yeah. There you go. Revolution and, and Ted Nugent. And, well, Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent doesn't listen to the show. <sighs> no, I know. <laughs> That's the worst part. <laughs> so this is what's uh, this is what's taking place. I read a great uh, on the uh, uh, the the Wall Street Insider had another interview in Ulsterman. Yeah, and uh, so he's dying apparently. This uh, this who, insider, who we don't know who it is. He's dying. The Wall Street Insider. That yeah. guy's dying. Yeah, he's dying. Yeah, of like cancer. He's really old or something. Yeah, that's a little unclear, but he's dying. And he said that he got Chris Wallace, who interviewed uh, David Axelrod, to actually bring up the social Darwinism thing again. And he said that they did that through a uh, through the advertising system with the super PAC. He says, you know, the only way to control the media in America is through advertising. So um, we wanted uh, a code, a coded message to go out. They bought a, you know, somehow they they got a big uh, chunk of money into Fox the Fox News, and Chris Wallace did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he got Axelrod to bring up the social Darwinism thing again. And I went back and checked, and it turns out there was an anonymous donation made to the uh, uh, to one of the super PACs of $10 million, you know, like a week ago. 
So, you know, the play is big right now. And, and, and people like the Wall Street Insider are really afraid of Obama. They think he is Hitler and he's going to kill, he's going to kill the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> you well, laugh, you laugh. But we'll know. Yeah, well, you, now you can say I laughed. We'll know uh, after he gets reelected, which is a foregone conclusion the way things are going. And uh, I liked I was watching, listening, reading some news report. It was like it was a big news item came across the wires that now uh, Romney and Obama are even in the polls. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. It was less than a week ago that Romney was behind 20 points. So what happened was and that doesn't change overnight. They've come up with all kinds of reasons that it may have changed, but it's all bull crap. The reason it's changed and I don't want to harp on this, but it's to it's the, obviously the money stopped flowing on one side or the other. Probably the Obama said, oh, well, kick an ass. We don't have to give them any more money. And that means the media is not going to get the advertising they're expecting so they can get their good fourth quarter in for this year. So they had to change the results. No, no, it's even. You got to, you're going to get a Romney's going to win if you don't give more money to the Obama camp. So the, so they get their advertising budget up. And then once they go up and they, they talk about, they'll, there'll be big news stories about how much money Obama's, oh, he's collected up to almost a billion now, which will freak out the other side. They throw a bunch of money in so they can buy more advertising and the media kicks ass with, with big profits this year. In the meantime, a lot of effort is being put into uh, hurting the president with the, uh, the oil and gas prices, which, of course, is complete manipulation. Th- these prices are being jacked up artificially, but just by trading. Because if you look at the, I don't know if you and Horowitz discussed this, if you look at like 30 years out on the options, there's like, like nothing. <laughs> like no one expects any high prices. They're just doing it short term. And they're doing that to, you know, it's a big issue. People care about gas prices. Yeah. And then the president tries to fight it by saying, well, you know, we're going to put in uh, more cops. I lost you again. Yeah, it's really bad today. I can tell. Yeah. You don't want to reconnect because it's been going on consistently. No, no, no. It's it's my actual Internet connection. I can. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's the Internet connection itself. It's not the Skype. No, no, it's the no. The stream is dropping. Everything's dropping. The actual internet connection. Yeah, maybe because I'm saying things that aren't supposed to be heard. <laughs> how, how? I mean, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Coincidence? I think not. It always happens. Hey, well, man. when we're talking about the media, I might as well at least get a couple of things out of the way. And that letter I sent to everybody this uh, last uh, Wednesday morning, and everybody gets a little newsletter on Wednesday morning if they're on the mailing list. And, uh, and you can get on the mailing list by going to No Agenda Show. I think there's a link there. If there's not, you'll find it. Um, I mentioned this thing about the connection between Hollywood and every one of these networks. Yeah. So now all I'm, you know, I go on and now it's like ridiculous crap I have to listen to. Like, I want to play some clips. We'll go back to this other topic. I just want to take a break from it. Unless you got more. No, 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 uh, too depressing. Let's go. Let's do a couple of things here. With Charlie Rose on CBS This Morning Show, this is the, you know, the, he was on with Judd Apatow for, a, who's that? Like who's that? Or, who's that? Judd Apatow is a director, a comic director. He does all these corny movies that are, you know, about, right. They're just corny. They're just, they're, to me, they're B movies. But anyway, he does a bunch of them. He did like uh, Ron Burgundy, you know, the anchorman, anchorman. 
So they're plugging this movie, which turns out to be not a not a, a Paramount movie, which is the CBS connection to the movie industry. But play the beginning. Charlie Rose on CBS in the morning show. I landed on some. Oh, it's a fire hydrant. What is a fire hydrant oh. doing there? That last clip is from the new movie, The Five Year Engagement, what opens a Tribeca Film Festival tonight here in New York. Judd Apatow, welcome. It's. Ugh. So, okay, so that's just a big promotion for the movie, which is not news at all. And it goes on, but there's quid pro quos, because if you're going to plug a Universal movie, uh, that means that the Universal people, which is NBC, have to plug probably your movie. So they'll do a little quid pro quo on that. But they still have to bring a Paramount movie in, which is not why he's there. But Charlie Rose brings it back to a Paramount movie so they can get some publicity in for that while, he, while he's here. But Judd, you have been called one of the most sought-after comedy minds. Are you aware of that? You've had that billing, one of the most uh, sought-after comedy that's, minds. That's good. That means I'm working. I'm, uh, uh, I'm paying the tuition. I think that's there a good thing. So when did you know that you were funny, or when did you know that you wanted to make people laugh? Were you a funny kid? Mm, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know how funny it was. I, you know, I have these little books of jokes I was trying to write when I was in like fifth grade uh-huh. and I thought well, was I funny as a, like a, a kid and like no I was there they're so unfunny every it's just like hundreds of pages of how come on Gilligan's Island they knew to bring so much clothes <laughs> that's as deep as that it got it. so when you and Will come together yes to oh, do a sequel to the Anchorman yeah so what's the conversation between the two of you? we say is Charlie around will he tell us stories about his life and so they're going off in some kind of tangent blah 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 who cares and rose brings it right back to a paramount film <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah, the, the, it, you know i caught a couple of these um which are not of that level i don't have clips for them but here's two one is story about uh, a guy who broke into p diddy's mansion to wear his clothes and hang out <clears throat> coincidentally coming out now the bling ring movie directed by sofia coppola which is about the teenagers who break into celebrities' homes. And the other one, which was just, this really disgusted me, is um, Robin Gibb of the Bee Gees is in a coma. Saturday night, Glee, their season opener, they'll be doing Saturday Night Fever. Oh, God, <laughs> that is disgusting. You can't, I mean, how, do, how is that time? Were they like watching the guy like, hey, man, we're not sure. It's either going to be Madonna or it's going to be that Bee Gees dude. Oh, it's the Bee Gees guy. Quick, grab the script for Saturday Night Fever. So meanwhile, on ABC, which is Disney, Buena Vista, another movie studio, we used to have a show on uh, at night called Nightline. Yes. And it used to be a real news show. It was a they good show, yeah. New shows of the yeah. Day. Listen to the teaser on the Nightline show left from last night. Goodbye to Dick Clark and we'll share their memories. Plus, we'll take you behind the scenes of The Avengers and meet the group of superheroes storming theaters near you. That's on Nightline. What? <laughs> the Avengers is a Disney movie. Uh, oh, yeah. that was. Uh, I saw Stephanopoulos this morning doing a, a long-distance uh, interview, like a satellite interview with uh, Scarlett Johansson. and In the movie. Yeah, he's on, on, on the movie. He's set. on the Disney yeah. Channel. I'm sorry, yeah. ABC. Yeah, and that's a Disney movie. Now, when is the public going to wise up? And what? And who do these journalists, so-called journalists, they're shameless. This is so pathetic. You can't get good news from these people. All they're doing is shilling for the studio that they're part of. They're just an entertainer. It's pathetic. 
that's it. Well, the, well, the way you structured that in, in the newsletter was actually quite good. It's uh, just go through that loop because that's the part that I really liked about what you said. Which is that it's a, it's a, it is a loop. You know, they plug the movie and the movie plugs them and they go, it goes around and around. I'm not, I don't have the letter in front of me, so I'd have to read it. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's horrible. And it, and it, you're the one that used to you made it thematic for this show that we do. You bring up these, the more, you don't do the, I, these are overt. You're, you're always finding some kind of cool connection where they tr- make it kind of like a hot topic. I always remember that era, it was before we started doing the show where they had this Mothman yeah, and there was a Mothman movie. There were so many news articles about oh, was, was Mothman real? And they had all the oh, we saw one in North Carolina. I was driving down the road in my truck, and there was this crazy thing in the middle of the road, and it flew off. And it was like there was like a series of news articles that were about this creature. And then there was the movie that came out shortly thereafter. There wasn't a straight up connection. Now they've become brazen. Yeah. They just spend the whole half of the show on some movie with the actor there. And they're talking to him <laughs> and how the movie, I didn't think the movie's going to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it's so bad. So it- the public is. The public and oh yeah, my I think my conclusion was that the the whole thing is designed to make you feel bad, and the only way you can feel good is to go to the movies. <laughs> exactly, because the movies all have a happy ending. You can't have a hard. There's no. Where's the last time a tragedy was produced for, for out of Hollywood where you went out feeling like crap? Oh you know, well, like, you know I saw uh, it, it. It ended kind of nicely though. I saw. Um, oh, you know, it have to. I saw Mr. Nobbs, Glenn Close. Mr. Nobbs. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't hear about it, of course. I mean, you no, know, obviously, must be an indie, or they don't have a connection, or they no, it was put a, up the coin paid for, for by uh, Canal Plus. It was all French and, and Irish money. Oh yeah, there's yeah, outstanding movie, just outstanding movie. But you know, Mickey and I watched this. We're like, no one will ever see this. She was nominated for an Oscar, but she didn't win because no one saw the movie. Right. And everyone was voting. It's like eh, I didn't see that piece of crap. But it was it was you know the good the good movies are just not you know freely the Avengers. Oh, Robert Downey Jr., man. I liked it when you when you came back from your drug-induced haze, and now you're doing that. Uh, uh. So here's a little ditty I picked up from uh, the president, our president of the United States, uh, on, his, uh, on his jaunt there to Colombia. Uh, he had a uh, joint press conference with Presidente Santos of Colombia. Um... Gee, they never played this on the news. Uh, Listen to the translator translating what he has to say about the great work we're going to be doing together. In this meeting, we have made even more progress. Our countries have moved from being just good friends and partners to become real allies. We are allies in building a new world order. Hello! <laughs> we are allies in the building a new world order. Oh, you want to hear the rest of his little ditty there? If there's any more like that. Well, he doesn't say new world order, but it's all related to that. The world of the 20th century is behind. It is in the past. Now there's a new international reality. and A new international reality. Wow. These guys are good. We cannot simply be passive observers of this reality. 
only joint work of those who share the ideals of freedom and democracy. Ah, oh, yes, freedom and democracy. I'm sorry. New world order. It's happening. Huh. It's happening. We started this show in 2008, 2009, and we would laugh about it. And now it's actually... Now the joke's on us. Yeah. <laughs> How stupid are we? <laughs> it's hey, actually watch- happening. Well, I was watching weird stuff. I found this to be peculiar. I was... Uh, Julia Dreyfus is on, was on Stewart. I realized Stewart's the shill for uh, Viacom. So Comedy Central is always, you know, there's a lot of movie actors. I mean, it's the same thing as everything else we're seeing. It's like, so there, so he had Julia Dreyfus on because she's uh, starring in a new TV show, Veep. Veep? And as in the VP? Yeah. She's playing the vice, female vice president of the United States, and it's a comedy, I suppose. Whatever the case, it had better be with her. Uh, she says something in here. I don't know if you're going to catch it as, as the way I did, but... I thought it was peculiar, and I just play and see what you think. <laughs> Big bowl of cheese curls. That's exactly right. Just sitting there waiting for that. Sir, we're going to take you to the Situation Room. Mm-hmm. Did you get to see, have, have you spoken with the Vice President? Um, I, I met a couple of Vice Presidents. That's exactly All right. right. <laughs> but I'm not at liberty to say which ones, except I will say I did meet with Vice President Al Gore because... He mentioned it, so I guess now I can. And uh, he was unbelievably nice. And really what I was trying to find out meeting him and, mm-hmm. and meeting other people on Capitol Hill, frankly, is... Hmm. Did you find that peculiar? That she met with Al Gore? No, that she is not at liberty oh, not to at say, liberty who, to she say who she met with. And there's, but she could say that she met with Al Gore because he said that, you know, it's like a non-disclosure. That, that, that what she described is exactly a non-disclosure, which means that, you know, they did because that once they reveal, then you can reveal. I mean, that's a classic non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's non-disclosure. Bilateral. Why is she signing a non-disclosure to say hello to a vice president? Yeah. Seriously. I don't know. I found that extremely peculiar. And this show is on NBC? No, it's on this Comedy Central, which oh. is a Viacom, owned, oh. owned by Viacom. Yeah, we got to pay attention to all of those, uh, all of those uh, ties and connections. Yeah, the ties and connections are just, it's, it's ridiculous. Somebody sent around one of those horrible infographics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw it? Shows it showed th- that, like, in 1989, there were something like 60 or 70 owners of the media. I mean, different, you know, different companies owning different things. And now it's boiled down to six. Yeah. <laughs> what are you complaining about? Six companies own everything, and every single one of them is, co- everyone, not with, with no exceptions, every single one of them is connected to a movie studio. And that's what it's all about. It's uh, Brave New World. Just be entertained. New world order. Be it's a new entertainment. Wor- new it's a, world. NWO entertainment. I got a wow. Uh, I wonder if I should do this now. There's a actually. I think I will. There's an outfit called CCHR. Uh, let me see. CCHR. Hold on a second. Let me bring up the web page. You can probably wiki them if you want to get the the details. They're a uh, watchdog. Here we go. It says CCH. Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Yeah, Citizens Commission on Human Rights International. And right there on the homepage, you'll see uh, this guy. It's established by the Scientologists. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sure. And Thomas Zaz. That's the guy. Yeah, he's yeah, he's been around for a while. I've never heard of him. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's famous. So he he goes into this uh he goes into this uh uh speech about ADHD and other mental disorders, which I, I'll just play like a minute of it. Maybe the rest of it's like four and a half minutes. Maybe the rest of it for end of show clip if you like it. Um, but really good when it comes to the insanity of treating mental disorders. School authorities tell a mother, as you already heard, that her son is sick and needs to be on drugs. How in the world is she to know that that is simply a lie? How is she to recognize that what experts now call attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is simply not a disease. Now, such a mother is not an expert in the history of psychiatry. She does not know that psychiatrists have, for hundreds of years, used diagnostic terms, so-called diagnostic terms, to stigmatize and control people. I will only give you a few dramatic examples. When black slaves in the South ran away to freedom, it wasn't that they wanted to be free. They suffered from a disease called drapetomania. From drapetes, ran away slave and mania. I'm not making this up. This was a legitimate diagnosis, just like attention deficit disorder is. <laughs> Women, half the population of mankind, of course, if they were foolish enough to rebel against domination by men, well, then they had a serious disease called hysteria, which was due to their wandering womb. I love this guy. <laughs> but he's so spot on, right? <clears throat> he says, you know, he, he, we can play it at the end of the show if you want, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, he goes on to really get into it. He says, you know, if you can't and diagnose... There he it, goes off into the ozone... And and he's back. back. Yeah. Uh, if you can't diagnose it through blood and, you know, uh, the, the liver and the heart and the lungs and all that, it's, it's, it's not a medical disease. It is, you know, it's a, he actually says, you know, kids who behave or misbehave are not sick. He says that is not a disease. It's really good, you know, and, and oh man, parents, listen to this stuff. Please. And, you know, we're getting a lot coming down the pipeline here as the CDC just uh, announced, oh, uh, what is it, uh, 800 kids died of uh, prescription drug overdose. Right? What was well, that for? A, yeah, that's a plague. Well, what is it for? I'll read you from the actual report. Uh, here it is. The Obama, Obama administration's Drug Enforcement Agency has stepped up efforts to target physicians, pharmacies, and other medicine suppliers, it suspects of facilitating sales of prescription medicines that make their way onto the black market. The White House issued a multi-agency plan to combat prescription drug abuse last year. I have not seen that plan, actually. Narcotic prescription painkiller overdoses kill 40 people a day, according to the CDC. So what is happening here? Is well, that's that, more than the terrorists are killing. Why yeah. do we got this? What is this TSA doing then? So, so they're shoring up the supply line. What, they, what they're trying to do now is make sure that you only get your drugs through their approved dealers. 
And this is what we went back to, you know, the Feinstein legislation, which is now in committee. It's going to come out. This is all timed. It's going to come out that all online pharmacies have to be closed. You'll have a big database where all of your uh, diseases are listed. So we'll know exactly what you have. And, and lo and behold, let's tie in Whitney Houston again. I couldn't believe they brought this back. This autopsy report is shining a light on the number of prescription pills Whitney Houston was using and the number of doctors who were prescribing them to her. And we're learning wherever Houston went, the pills seemed to follow. Before her death in Beverly Hills, Houston was in Detroit filming the movie Sparkle. She spent two months in a suite at this downtown Detroit hotel, and the autopsy report shows doctors were calling in prescriptions for Xanax and antibiotics while she was there. At least 90 generic Xanax were ordered uh, generic. at this Walgreens, another prescription sent to this CVS. The fact that she had to get some while she was here either suggests she didn't plan ahead or she was abusing it or using more than she should have. In all, the autopsy report reveals hundreds of pills were prescribed to Houston. The bottles found in her hotel room came from pharmacies in Detroit, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. And at least four different doctors called in the prescriptions. Investigators are conducting interviews in Detroit about the possible prescription drug abuse. I just want to remind you, she did not die of an overdose of prescription medicine. She did not die of that, yet the whole thing is about all the pills she had and how you know people were just subscribing, to, you know, prescribing stuff to her. They are going to clamp down. They want all the illegal guys out, generics out. It's going to be through the approved uh, channels, the approved drug dealers, and that's what's taking place here. And the pharmaceutical industry is loving it, yeah, loving they're, they're, it. Yeah, they're going to try that once they get you know, one more step in the process, they can eliminate generic drugs. That's what their real goal is. Get rid well, the generics and, uh, and buying, uh, drugs from, uh, out of country pharmacies. So the, the website you want to go to, uh, for people listening that to kind of keep up with it, but you have to look at it as, as a propaganda tool is safemedicines.org. It's essentially a front organization for this movement that we, right. we discuss on the show every so often. Yeah. And it, all the stories in there are like, you know, things they hope get picked up by the mainstream media. Like, here's the one on today's front page. Pills containing heavy toxic metal toxins found mm. in circulation in China. Ooh, oh, China. cut off the Chinese, oh, China. even though most of our drugs are made there anyway. Oh, China. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? It's dangerous. China. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiners. Brazil, hmm. here's, the, here's the counterfeit news. They have counterfeit news. Brazil's counterfeit medicine problem triples, you know, drug safety. Alsberg fellow chosen for us to something else. How to stay safe as a patient. Moving beyond the Avestin incident. PSM counterfeit drug congressional. The counterfeit drug thing is a problem, but you have to wonder how it got to this point. Here's our president uh, with a message about the Chinas. Of the Chinese. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, good, good one. <laughs> really against the Chinese. <laughs> no, and uh, but these drugs are in, in general. It's just uh, the way they're prescribing them is just it's crazy. And I think this leads directly into why Google has come out now with a map, uh, a zombie survival Google map, which will help you find food and guns in the event. Uh, that the zombie apocalypse arrives. Here's how it's going to work. We now have at least 25% of the population in America on psychotropic drugs. 
I'm talking Xanax. I'm talking Adderall. I'm talking, you know, all these, uh, uh, all these. Prozac is the classic. Prozac is a classic. Um, all, all of these drugs. What's going to happen is and people won't be able to get them. So you've got, so they're walking around like zombies. And when they can't get their drugs, that's when they go nuts and start eating you. And I think we will live, we, we already live in a zombie society. There are people, look, go to, go to Chuck E. Cheese. Look at the kids there. They're not spinning, John. They're all <laughs> doped up like, uh, uh, they're all doped up, man. Yeah, a lot of kids are doped up. Yeah, but it's, we need to warn people about this. Yeah. Yeah, I know you don't care. No, I, I care, but no, it's like I, I believe it's like <laughs> you don't hopeless. Care. You don't care. Not really. I do. I care deeply. Did you see that video of Tupac Shakur in uh, Coachella? Yeah, I'm wondering about this seems to me this is a you know, I don't understand why the why the entertainment industry or I mean the entertainment industry, the high end executives must think this is great. But I don't get why the performers or I, I, I think a lot of just to be blunt about it, a lot of performers in the music industry are idiots. I'm, they don't know anything. They're, they're uneducated. They're, they, 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 go, they make so much money they don't give a crap about anybody but themselves. Mm-hmm. And they, they do not see the danger of this to their future. Well, the, 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 don't be worth more dead than alive. That's my advice. Well, there's that, and, <laughs> and now you're working for free. Talking yeah. about zombies. Yeah. Yeah, the, the guy's working for free. He's dead. He's working for free. They've got this technology, so he actually looks like he's on the stage. And you know for a fact, being in the technology game yourself, you, and everybody else that listens to the show mostly, you know for a fact that what we see now is just the tip of the iceberg in what's going to happen with this sort of technology in the future. We'll be, you won't be going to see some of these bands. You're going you're gonna to go to see the Beatles. Yeah. You know, the 1969 Beatles. And they're going to be right there up on stage and they're going to be talking to each other and they're going to be singing songs and doing other stuff and, and, you know, chatting and coming out and saying hello and pointing into the audience and all the rest (laughs) of it. And if these performers don't see this coming, they're idiot. Well, they they don't see this coming. As soon as I saw that, I said, oh, my God, this is is it. No, you'll get a contract for a year. And then you, you know, you, and you'll sign away these yeah. rights. This happens with book publishing, and I know it happens in the record industry. These idiots sign because they want to. They want to be on stage so badly mm-hmm. that they'll sign away all kinds of weird rights. And mm-hmm. one of the rights will be electronic three D image hologram rights. Mm-hmm. And they will sign those rights away, and they'll be like you said, they'll be on stage. You know, they'll be working for a year. They're done. Yeah, and they'll shoot them. Well, they don't even have to shoot them. <laughs> yeah, that's more fun. Come on. Well, it's more fun to shoot them from their perspective. Yeah, we don't want anyone making a stink about anything. No, they'll shoot him. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah, just... every dead performer will be up on stage still working for free. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I saw that. I was just flabbergasted. It's also going to be a great mind control tool. Mm, I could see that, but it's a possibility. Well, you know, when, when things become that real, when they're not. I think we should put Hitler in one of these bands. Yeah, exactly. Now, now you're talking. Can we, can we get those rights? Can the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group get the rights get to the Hitler? Get the rights to Hitler's hologram. <laughs> and, I think drummer. What? Drummer or uh, he could probably play bass. 
<laughs> God. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. And uh, we want to thank a few people who helped us out. We actually came up a little short for this show, I want to mention, but uh, we did get some uh, assistance from Alexander Seleznyov, I believe, Seleznyov, in uh, Espoo, which is, I think, in Lithuania. Could be. Yeah. He wants to, he's 13131, uh, a palindrome. Please accept a contribution to No Ache to the Net No Agenda Coffers. It's to ensure the continuity of the best podcast in the universe, as well as a, a, a search of career karma. He needs a, in a, he's in a search for a new job, so give him a career karma. And we'll be- You've got karma. Uh, Michael Stajuhar in, uh, he's, Coming in here for looks like uh, one of the uh, military uh, numbers. Needs a little karma for everyone who has ever donated to the best podcast in the universe. Okay, here we go. You've got karma. And Michael is at in at one o one o one, which is another palindrome. Kelby Koenig in Grover, Colorado, $70.44 in the morning. This is the donation for my dad, Joel's 44th birthday, which he'll be celebrating on the 19th, which is today. Unfortunately, he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> but I, you know, 40, that age group may be a weak spot for us. But I feel it would be a good, because they're totally, you know, that's the, that's a group. If you have a good time for to propagate the formula, I plan on getting some ice cold beer and hitting him in the mouth. Not sure if I can get him drunk enough to donate, but it's worth a shot. Nevertheless, a birthday shout out would be much appreciated. We'll give him one in a little while. Thanks as always, and keep up with the good work. Very anonymous from someplace unknown. Wait a minute, he wanted a Hey Citizen Karma, I think. Oh, I. <clears throat> oh yeah, he yeah. did. I'm sorry. Let me do that. Hey Citizen, you've got karma. Thank you very much, Kel- Kelby. Uh, very anonymous from unknown parts unknown sixty nine sixty nine keeping up the uh, the model, which is interesting. Please keep me in my location completely anonymous due to the following anecdote. Per Adams DHS theory, I used to work with a woman that was on a DHS contract. She referred to the DHS as Department of Homosexuals. She was very hey. conservative Christian. This is what you brought up in the last show. She was a, and Janet Napolitano was a. Obviously. Anyway, she was. I don't know if she's out or not. Are you trying she to be politically very- correct? Is that what it's come down to? That you are politically correct and you can't say homosexual or lesbian on this show? Is that your problem, Dvorak? Yeah. She was very conservative Christian. She complained about the large number of out-of-the-closet homosexuals and the favoritisms that they received from each other. Wow. She was, that's a problem with, uh, with, with groups. Any kind, any kind of group, yeah. Any kind of group that, you know, they, they, they're, where they're more of a member of the group than they are of the, the, uh, the bigger team. Big problem. She was convinced that only bathhouses and BDSM clubs were protected by DHS. <laughs> well, th- yeah, we got to beef up security there for sure. Okay. Wow. Well, th- that's, 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 that's an anecdote, you know. Yeah, that's a good anecdote. Definitely something you don't hear every day. Michael Michaud in Bristol, Connecticut. You can keep an eye on this when you go through uh, TSA at the airport. Michael Michaud uh, in Bristol, Connecticut, $60. Love the show. Been listening for a year now. I figured that I owe you at least $5 a month for the entertainment that you've provided me. I used to be a big Alex Jones fan, but I got sick of the storable foods commercial. (laughs) 
<laughs> Your show is more pleasurable to listen to. I also think I deserve a douchebag for taking so long to chip in, but please follow it with a de-douching and some karma because I could use it. Special thanks to my friend Jim Ogilvie for turning me on to the show by... By the way, I sent in a George Clooney jingle. Let me know what you think. So give him a uh, douchebag, de- then a uh, yep. it? A, a douchebag de douche karma. Here okay. we here we go. You've been de douched. You've got karma. And here's his jingle. Hello, Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. Hey, I was hoping I'd hear from you. You can tell why I didn't use it. <laughs> it's funny once. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel Gray, Phoenix, Arizona, 5555 in the morning. John and Adam. I'm a new listener to the show. I love it. Please give a dose of Carmen birthday shout out to your night in Manhattan, warning us all of the drones to come. Yeah, that's right. Now in Brooklyn, I hear. You've got karma. And another anonymous donation from Baltimore, Maryland. Double nickels on the dime. Uh, show's great. Thanks a lot. Been listening to Flight to Las Vegas on the Flight to Las Vegas. Looking for some karma to hit the casinos in the mouth and find some hookers and blow. Well, you probably won't hit the casinos in the mouth, but you might find the hookers and blow. At the ask of risking for too much, John, didn't you have some video poker tips? Again, <laughs> thanks for the great show. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a certain machine you look for. I uh, discuss. All right. yes, I think Let me it's give a 9-7 some, machine. I think uh, uh, hookers and blow. Maybe we should give some Adderall and Dr. Pepper karma. That's probably. You've got karma. That's the new, the new, new. Adderall he says the Dr. work we, we goes a little quicker with our show. Yeah. Greg Stone, Rapid City, South Dakota. Double nickels on the dime. Uh, karma for the rough semester of MBA school. After taking three weeks off for travel, everybody listening should donate a dollar. If they can't do that, they are douchebags. Douchebags. They shouldn't be allowed to purchase anything online. If you're making any other purchases to any site or app, you're competent enough to make a donation. And this comes from uh, Sir, Sir, Stone. Sir Greg Stone. Sir Greg Stone. Yeah. Thank you, Sir Greg. Matthew McCulloch in Nyack, New York. Double nickels on the dime. Enjoyed listening to the show for a while now. I've not donated until now. Please de-douche me and call out my friend and former coal worker, Matt Maynard, who turned me on to the show as a complete and utter douchebag. Douchebag. Never donated. Some great things have happened to me since listening to your show. The birth of my daughter and the landing of a new IT job closer to home, so I felt the need to donate. My last job had a horrendous commute, and your show made it all the more bearable. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, thanks and keep up the great work. He needs a de-douching. You've been de-douched. Ashley Burton in uh, Hertzfordshire. Uh, Gitmo uh, Nation East here. Ash. Ash from Gitmo Nation. 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 Oh, it's the guy who did the iDrone app. Cool. Yeah, the iDrone app guy. Hoping this gets to you in time for Thursday as I'm ter- running the London Marathon this Sunday. Hence the donation equals 26.2 times 2. I could use some karma to help me get around the course. Thanks for the best podcast in the universe. I'll be listening on my way around London and will continue propagating the formula. Well, you need to like have a couple episodes. I don't think two and a half hours gets you all the no, way no, through. I think, yeah, you need two episodes. Right, well, here's some karma, man. Go for it. You've got karma. Go take Podcast a- for Peace, which is now available on the No Agenda News Network. Uh, 
gave us 5150 and go to podcastforpeace.com. They're at Alamo. Kyle Barton in Hitchcock, Texas, 5033. Kyle from Bayou Vista, just down the street from Adam on the Gulf Coast. <laughs> just down I'm the on street. a $5 a month plan, but wanted to step it up for some post-new job karma. I promised myself if I got the job, the first $50.33 would go to the show. Hey! By the way, you've all looked into the members of the exclusive Club 33 at Disneyland. We've discussed that. All right, man. Thank you. Congratulations on the new gig. You've got karma. So I've been there. I was in the Club 33 a couple times. Yeah, I'm sure you were with your with your uh, that orange ball in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just got the visual. Hold on. And you've got leather chaps on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the buttocks showing. (laughs) Alan, it's not that kind of a club. Alan Levine for Congress. It's actually just not even a club from what it's just, but it's a nice place if, you, if you're in Disneyland and you're sick of it. Alan Levine for Congress.com, uh, A-L-L-A-N-L-E-V-E-N. I, I, he sent me a note, sent another $100 and two donations of 50 each. Oh, wow. And he, um, I said, you've got to get, because he's always saying, you got to spell it, because no one will ever find this website. And so I, I told him he's got to get, and he's, I think he's finally done it now. He's got Alan, A-L-A-N, A-L-A-N-L-I-V-E. You know, you can't yeah, he's got all the it. variations. You have to have the variations. If anybody's running for office, uh, and, you know, this may be our man in Congress if we're lucky. Yeah. You have to have all the variations if you if you want to put up a website to collect money. Hey, if we get him in Congress, we'll have two. Him and Ron Paul. Hey, how many more to go? 527? <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Sir Mike Westerfield, $50. George Scanlon, $50. Uh, Kyle Morrison in British Columbia, $50. Please add Matt Wilson for a birthday shout out. We got that. Uh, he's turning 33. Needs some sell my condo karma. All right, here we go. You've got karma. Hey, Kyle's up there on the Vancouver Island, which is one of the prettiest places in the world. I want And if anyone's on the West Coast touring around, they definitely want to go to... Um, Victoria, B.C., which is on that island. It's very nice, very pretty. Um, and let's see what else we got. We got Robert Owens, Oak Hill, Virginia, $50. Thanks for valuable value entertainment. I listen on my commute to work. And Jason Fortun, Fortune in Geneva, Illinois, also $50. We want to thank them, all the other donors to the No Agenda show to help produce this show, keep us going. And we'll look forward to uh, more input and donations, hopefully, for the Sunday show. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Yeah, a little bit light today, Dvorak.org slash N-A. Well, we could pull it up a little bit, John, if you want. Uh, I do have an audition. Oh. For craft salad dressing. It's a short yeah, one. It's a short one. It's a two-liner. Let's do it. Okay. The title of the... I think, by the way, we should... Do, maybe as a way to augment this income is we can do these auditions and charge craft just to do them. Yeah. Good luck with that. Let me know in the meeting, Okay. <laughs> I can tell you what they're going to say. So, Go on. So the idea, yeah. <laughs> they're going to sue us for even doing this. I'm sure there's some NDA I signed somewhere that does not allow me to do this. So to augment our income, uh, we're going to, I'm going to just hurt you with this. Okay. Uh, this has to be done by today uh, in order to get it in. Uh, the Lonely Lettuce is the title of the campaign. Do you, got, do you have your recorder going? Yes. Uh, yeah. Let me okay, give, I'll be directing. Okay. Let me give you the specs. Mail 30 to 40. Uh, has to be relatable, like the friendly neighbor who lives next door and grabs your newspaper for you and steals it. Matter of fact, a bit of a deadpan voice, 
but always with a sense of humor, like a joke or a fun story is just around the corner. The voice should have a hint of humor to it, not the typical smile, but something special. Are they are they high? <laughs> well, if you can't get the smile in, which is a is that voice you you do so well. Um, let me give you. I don't know what let me the give you the script. Let me give you the script. It's two lines. The script is: the breakup is official. Craft salad dressing is now seeing other foods. Introducing anything dressing from Kraft. Yeah. Now. That's no good. How do I how do I do it? Should I just should we just do the surfer dude again and see what happens? Well, do the surfer dude, and I'll tell you, we can back him off. Do okay. the surfer, do the extreme, <laughs> the right. surfer dude. All right. Hey, the breakup is official. Kraft salad dressing is now seeing other foods. Introducing anything dressing from Kraft. Okay, so that that I think is a winner. But they're not going to want that. They don't want the smile, and that had way too much smile. I have to have it. a deadpan voice, but it has to be a smile like a joke is coming, yet I'm getting your newspaper. What is that? No wonder television sucks. These people are morons who write this stuff. Uh, so it has to be a... Can you do a... Can you do a big voice? Dude, just do it as a big voice. The breakup is official. Kraft salad dressing is now seeing other foods. Introducing anything dressing from Kraft. I, now, I like that, but you're going to have to get the the now. You blew the now. You had the big voice, big voice, the now. Oh, sound okay. like Adam okay. Curry. All right, all right. The breakup is official. Kraft salad dressing is now seeing other foods. Introducing anything dressing from Kraft. I like it. I think you're a little muddy at the beginning, but I like the way you hit now with the way you did, okay. and then I think the whole thing finished up. But that nice. doesn't sound deadpan to me. It sounds, I, I, think I think you could sell it as deadpan. I think that was the voice they're looking for, except it was muddy at the beginning. You were kind of... I'll try it again. <laughs> the breakup is official. Kraft salad dressing is now seeing other foods. Introducing anything dressing from Kraft. I think if you tack on the beginning of this one and then splice it onto the one you did just previously, you'd have the winner there. That, All right. That you can get that job. Done. It's your birthday, birthday. Dvorak.org slash NA. If you don't want to hear that again, that is five minutes of your life. You'll never have returned. Happy birthday, says James Murray to his son Cole, who turned 16 this week. Kelby Coney congratulates uh, Daddy Joel, turning 44 today. Daniel Gray, the night in Manhattan, happy birthday. And Kyle Morrison congratulates Matt Wilson, turning 33 today as well. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. We have uh, two knighthoods to... Uh, Ooh, nice. Yeah, well, we always like the knights. So, uh, And then we have a, a knight of the No Agenda Admiralty, so make sure you uh, get out your long blade there. Alexander Selznyov and Jordan DeMoss, please step forward and kneel as both of you have supported this program, the best podcast in the universe, in the amount of up to $1,000. That means you will still receive your coveted night ring, as it is before the end of 2012. And I hereby pronounce thee, Sir Alexander and Sir Jordan, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable, and Sir Jordan, Knight of the No Agenda Admiralty. Gentlemen, please, your hookers and blow, your Adderall and Dr. Pepper, your Rent Boys and Chardonnay, your hookers and blow, and your wenches and beer, right here at the Roundtable for you. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Now, if we were really smart, of course, we'd do what NPR and PBS are about to do. As the U.S. Appeals Court has uh, just said, it's okay for public radio and television uh, companies, broadcasters, to uh, air political ads. 
Oh, they got to get in on this deal. (laughs) How awesome is that? Wow. So the super PAC money now, not Fox and CNN. They've got to compete with PBS. Someone's not going to stand for this. Well, the public's got to get a clue. And you know, your PBS with political ads. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do it, man. Ah, yeah. No, 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 no. We'll just uh, just keep working for alms. I mean, <laughs> I just no. I just got the. I'm sorry. I got the New York Times. All right. So uh, I, you know, I just had JC bring it up. I left it outside. Oh and wait a minute. So he just, sounds like the perfect guy for the commercial. Yeah, exactly. he's the neighbor that brings you the. So I'm looking at. They got a picture of uh, Obama on the front page of look in a boxing. He's got like his fists up. He's gonna with a flag behind him, like he's like uh, Clubber Malone <laughs> or something. Kick someone's you know, ass. Rocky movies. Yeah, yeah. But I just pulled out this Thursday style thing, and I just could not read this su- kind of a subhead, which is actually the headline of this w- article in the front of Thursday. So some laughing blonde, middle-aged blonde woman uh, laughing, very attractive for her age. And it says, and listen to this, this, this intro to this woman. Her name's Trudy Styler. Oh, isn't she uh, Sting's wife? Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Sting. Yeah, Stink. Listen to this. Actress, activist, vintner, and yogi. What's vintner? V- winemaker. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm sorry. So she's an actress, an activist, a vintner, and yogi. Trudy Styler also makes no apologies. She makes no apologies for what? For being a vintner. Ugh, this page, this is and what crazy. does she say? She goes, it's a big front page. It's like a whole, like the really? whole front of this Thursday style section is about her. The yeah. whole top of the fold is a big giant photo. There's obviously some tie into something. She's uh, coming out with a book. Uh, or are they going to the rainforest or? There's something up. Is there, maybe Stink has a new album coming out. Yeah, there's something. It's fake. It's, some, it's obviously planted by a public relations agency. Well, good job. How, yeah, how, yeah. how have we done on that front? <laughs> well, you know. Just saying. It's the, ooh, we're not the easiest ooh. show in the world to promote. Sorry, I said it. I caught myself. Yes, you did. I'm sorry. You did it twice. You did it earlier, and I didn't point it out because I didn't think it was. It was it, we were in the groove. All right. Mayor so there's attack, there's attack on chicken. I don't know what the deal is. There's an attack on chicken. There's an attack on chicken? Let's listen in. And now our consumer watchdog report. ABC's senior national correspondent Jim Avila reports. She's drunk again. She's something's wrong with her. She's hammered, and she's kind of hunched over, and she looks like yeah, Julia she, Child. I've noticed that she before she, she died. She keeps when she she's like leaning into the bottom of your TV set. I've noticed that about Diane Sawyer. Yeah, she can't. Sit, she sit can't up sit straight. up straight. She's just leaning in, and she's slurring, and she's and she's got a stupid look on her face. I. I what, hold on a second before you go to this clip. How old is she? Diane Sawyer, I'm going to guess she's 57. She's got to be in her 60s. Let's, Let's see what uh, we got. I'm going to go to the Book of Knowledge. She is 60. She is, claims to be 66. She was born in 1945. Really? Uh, come on, she looks pretty good for 66. She, take a look at the picture on the Book of Knowledge. You can see she's had work. Well, that sure. is not a natural face. Well, sure, she's had that. She probably can't sit up straight because her her stomach would rip <laughs> <laughs> from the all the tummy tucks. She looks yeah, good. Or, I or do. Actually, if she sits up real straight, she has a goatee. I mean, yeah. Her, let's see. <laughs> Somebody. Yeah. That. No, I got it. I got it. Um, I can tell from the picture. She has Botox. She. Um, 
Well, uh, you know, she's That's she's why she's slurring. She's not drunk. <laughs> she's, she's Botoxed you up. Can't move your hey, mouth. Hey, 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 and now our consumer watchdog report. ABC senior night. Hold, anyway, hold on, hold on. I'm, so I'm onward. You can. Oh, you can't hear me. That's why. Really? What was I? Oh yeah, we're playing the attack on chicken. No, no. There we go. Now it really. Now the connection really broke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hold on a second. Well, that is very interesting. You there? Yeah. So check this out. So when, when we're talking about political correctness and Europe being taken over, they start jiggling the connection. <clears throat> you know, that's like, and that's like a problem. Then we start talking about the guy, uh, Santos of Brazil talking about new world order, building that with Obama. They jiggle the connection again, but whoa, when we talk about Diane Sawyer, they just pull the plug. Hey, I can't do that. No, you can't be like, don't rag on her. She's our leader. All right. You ready for the clip? Chicken attack on chicken. And now our consumer watchdog report. ABC's senior national correspondent Jim Avila reported here about the beef filler critics call pink slime. Tonight, a different story. He reports on a whistleblower who came forward to him to issue a wake-up call about changes afoot in food safety inspections. Here's Jim Avila. Chicken dinner, America's number one meal, 84 pounds a person per year, and the USDA is about to make a controversial and fundamental change in the way these birds are inspected, removing most USDA inspectors from the plant and largely turning line inspection over to the chicken companies themselves. So this huh? went on for 10 minutes. Yeah. This is a chicken thing, and I... Haven't come up with anything, but I'm guaranteeing within the next few shows there's going to be more stories about chicken. I think we I need know. another salmonella th- scare. There's something up with it's chicken. It's probably time for that. It's probably time and for the, another salmonella scare. And by the way, the USDA inspectors, are, they don't do anything. I, what are they doing there? They, don't, they might as well let the chicken guys do their own thing. <laughs> All right, here it goes. It's time for... Anyway, that's, it. that's all I have. I'm just, uh, that's a teaser for a, a show coming up. Oh, okay. Well, here's a teaser for something that's coming up now. Economic hit, man. We're going to give you this money, and you're going to kick them damn Chinas out of your country. (laughs) (laughs) It's our economic hitman segment. So, uh, you promised in the newsletter we talk about Repsol, which is the uh, Argentinian oil company, which is under threat of nationalization. Well, it's actually Spanish-owned. Well, that is, yes. Well, 57%, I think, is owned by Spain. Yeah. And the rest... Yeah. So, I... It's not one of the... I don't think any of the seven sisters have a piece of it, though, right? No, but what I I found is that uh, just before this announcement came of the uh, the Argentinian... uh, Is it president or prime minister? President... She said, hey, "We're gonna we're gonna nationalize this oil company." The Chiners had just made a fifteen. Lost you again. Mm. Terrible. Yeah. There we go. We're back. You with me? Hello. 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 No. Wow. This is really bad today. Okay, I'm back now. I think you can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, about. Uh, four hours before this announcement was made by the president of Argentina, Cristiana Fernandez, who, by the way, is kind of hot. Um, the Chiners, uh, General Sinopec, 
made a $15 billion offer for uh, Repsol stake and YPF. So I think it was a uh, a move against the Chiners. Oh, that could be. Right? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, maybe. There's something else with the Falklands in there, and that's Yeah, that's they all, well, that, they, I think that's just a distraction. The Falklands, by the way, which are right by the Maldives, according to the president. Did you hear about that? That was the best gaffe ever. That is funny, since they are the Maldives. Well, no, he... Um, he was talking about the Malavinas. Oh, I'm sorry, the Malavinas. Yeah. Well, see, you made the same mistake. Oh, the Maldives. He said, the, right, it's nice to be here right near the Malavinas, but he said Maldives. Oh, <laughs> but there's no video of it anywhere. You can't find the video. They've taken, yeah. they've taken that right. away. The Maldives are in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, it's kind of somewhere else. Uh, but there is something really... Yeah, it's just a gaffe, just, you know. Well, hello. It's on the prompter. How hard can it be? Uh, there is something uh, really big happening with uh, with the Chiners right now. Uh, witness the introduction of a brand new bill. And uh, uh, Johnny Carson was talking about this. Not the Johnny Carson you might think it is, but Johnny Carson, who is uh, the United States uh, uh, State Department's envoy uh, to Africa. Uh, House Resolution 4221. I'd like to discuss this with you briefly, John. So you already pointed out correctly that we essentially let the China, the Chiners, wow, John will come back in a second, essentially let the Chiners, yeah, here we are, we're back. This is really bad today. Hello? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it cut out again. Um, I noticed. You said Johnny Carson, that's the last I heard. Right. Johnny Carson is the uh, State Department's envoy to Africa. And he had a big thing in the Senate he was, or in the Congress, and he was before the panel and talking about how great it is. And, of course, the strategy that we're on with the Chinas right now is we let them build all the infrastructure, and now we go in and drone them uh, out of Africa. And so the next phase is ready, John. Here it is. It is House Resolution 4221. This act may be cited as the Increasing American Jobs Through Greater Exports to Africa Act of 2012. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. Uh, right here at the top of the bill, between 2008 and 2010, China... Wait, give me the number again. 4221. Four, okay. Between 2008 and 2010, China alone provided more than $110 billion in loans to the developing world, and in 2009, China surpassed the United States as the leading trade partner of African countries. We cannot have this. Because... Point nine economists have designated Africa as the next frontier market with profitability and growth rates among many African firms exceeding global averages in recent years. Countries in Africa have collective spending power of almost $9 billion and a gross domestic product of $1.6 trillion, which are projected to double in the next 10 years. This is all from the bill. I'm reading this verbatim. Uh, so this is uh, sub-Saharan Africa is projected to have the fastest growing economies in the world over the next five years with seven of the t- 10 fastest growing economies located in sub-Saharan Africa. So obviously we have to go in because, point 11, when countries such as China assist with large-scale government projects, they also gain an upper hand in relations with African leaders and access to valuable commodities such as oil and copper, typically without regard to environmental, human rights, labor, or governance standards. Bad Chiners. We should go kick them out. How should we do it? Well, 
The purpose of this act is to create jobs in the United States by expanding programs that will result in increasing United States exports to Africa by 200% in real dollar value. So this is a bill that appropriates $175 billion of your tax money, $175 billion, not to give to uh, Africans, but to give to American companies, economic hitmen companies, to go and rape Africa. And this will all be done through the Export-Import Bank. Oh, yes. Now, yeah. please go to the website for the Export-Import Bank. Uh, this is uh, xmbank.com, I think. No, .gov. Hold on a second. Or no, it wouldn't be .gov. .gov. It is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 uh, so this money is a slush fund. It goes into this. Look at the home page. Who's on the home page? It's, it's mm-hmm. exim.gov. And right on the home page, uh, who who pops up on your browser? Well, you you had me put in bank, so I'm, I'm sorry. It's exim.gov. E- okay, hang on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there he Brother is, Bill. Bill Clinton. Competitive. So this guy is so in. He's got all his stuff ready in Uganda and in the Congo, and now here comes the money. My money. I just sent a check. And they're going to go send it to a-hole companies who are going to go and rape Africa. $175 billion. It's a scandal, I tell you. And they're, and they're giving it to, this is great, preference goes to African diaspora. Do you know what an Afri- African diaspora is? Well, that would be a group of some Africans specific to a region that moved on masse to another region. The term African diaspora means, and this is, this is who this money is going to, the people of African origin living in the United States, irrespective of their citizenship and nationality, who are willing to contribute to the development of Africa. Well, that's one way to get them to uh, do something. Let's see. Hmm. Small business support. There seems to be so. There's got to be. Maybe if we do, we targeted our show. To <laughs> I was waiting for you to money. say that. Hey, we've got this show. There's a small, small, medium enterprise. We can do a. We can get a grant. Well, it's a loan. But they. But the money is like. Oh, if you get screwed out of your money, then don't worry about it. You won't have to pay it back. This money. Just blow it out your butthole. It's gone. And it's hmm. an economic hitmen fund. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the United States of Gitmo Nation... In New York, a $400 million renovation of the Alexander Hamilton Bridge. In California, a whopper, a $7.2 billion new bridge to connect San Francisco and Oakland. And in Alaska, a proposed $190 million bridge project. Sounds like a great opportunity for government spending to actually lead to real jobs. The problem? Much of the work is going to Chinese government-owned contracting firms. (laughs) Yeah. How does that work? (laughs) And that concludes today's segment of Economic Hitman. We're going to give you this money, and you're going to kick them damn Chiners out of your country. That's right. Kick the damn Chiners out of your country. 
I do yeah, think it sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, the fact they had they're building this bridge here, and there's it's all being it's all being welded together in China, and then they jump up and put it on one of these Chinese ships and bring it over, and hey, then yeah. it turns out the welds are no good. But you know what they say? They say the reason why they have these uh, uh, the Chiners building our bridges is because you can't get welders in America. That's bogus. I can weld. I am actually, I, I'm a certified welder. Did I ever tell you that? No. Yeah. I can, I can I, weld. I can weld with CO2. I used to weld at a sheet metal shop when I was in high school, yeah. but I can't do, the, heavy steel welding is a specialty. That's not No, that, no I've never welding. done heavy steel welding. That's true. That you need some sort of special equipment. You got have you, uh, anybody have you ever done uh, CO2 welding with like, uh, you can uh, weld aluminum no. with that? Oh, it's no. cool. But I've done no, the old I, electrode. I, I've guys Heliarc. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. But I've never done. It. I only done the you know the, the, with the stick and the with the mask and the noise and the smoke. I once made a huge mistake, and because uh, I was doing uh, electrode welding, you know, with a big old electrode at a box, you stick that you know, you pull out a stick. It looks, it looks like a sparkler. Yeah, that's what that's what I welding I did. Yeah, and uh, I was like, I'll just do this. You know, I got like ten minutes. Just let me just do this real quick, and I did it without the the mask. What? I know. How did you get trained as a welder to even think to do that? Dude, I was 16. How stupid. Oh. And so I wake up in the middle of the night, the worst pain I've ever felt when you get welder's eyes. Because you basically blinded yourself. Yeah, you're lucky you can see it all after that. Well, I'm, that's... It's like looking in the sun. That's up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's switch to Euroland. Let's see how things are going in Spain, shall we? Nearly a quarter of the workforce unemployed, the cost of borrowing going up. Spain's financial crisis is often a list of seemingly sterile figures. But the reality behind the numbers is even more stark. In Barcelona, like elsewhere in Spain, there's a growing number of people who have no other choice but to live in their cars. Silvestre lost his job as a baker and with it the means to pay his rent. I've asked for help at City Hall, but they've done nothing. We've got the chance of a year in a council flat, but if I don't find work, we're back on the street. So I prefer to stay here. There are more people like us. Barcelona's council reckons there are about 350 people living in this makeshift motor city. We're trying to do what we have to do. We recognize the need for decent housing, so we're pushing for an increase in council flats and continuing to work with these people. In car parks and old industrial estates, there's a new generation of Spaniards living in mobile accommodation with nowhere to go. And I don't know if you could hear the whole thing because I see we broke halfway through. I heard most of it. Yeah. So the I Spanish. Say something about yeah, go ahead. You, you know, Garcia and some of these guys that I met in uh, Madrid, I have not been able to get a hold of any of them. Really? These are the guys that you that you met when you were over there. That's uh, that's a little. Yeah, and I remember Garcia telling me about the. You know, he's the one who predicted when the riots were going to be because I guess it was a schedule. Was he accurate? He was he accurate? Yeah, he was actually. He was actually accurate. But he's told us when these things are going to happen and what their plans are. And he said he definitely is going to go to them because he it, it, apparently it's a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah, how about sleeping in your car? How's that working out? So so I don't know what the deal is with these guys. But but the thing that blows me, well, first of all, you can't get these reports on television in America. No one talks about this. No. But this is all to pay back banks who made 
dumb loans to corrupt politicians. To have the people suffering and sleeping in their cars, it pains me. This is so incredibly wrong. And, and, and I think the people don't even see it. They don't even realize how they're being screwed. Gitmo Nation Lowlands now uh, on the chopping block for a downgrade from Fitch. Now, of course, when it starts with Fitch, then it will move right on to uh, all the other big ones. This is because of the housing crisis, which uh, uh, everyone said, oh, no, not a problem here. Nothing wrong. No, nothing, nothing going on here. Yep. Well, it is. But here's the here's the kicker. The uh, finance minister of the Netherlands, who I know, Kees Jan de Jager, uh, sorry, Jan Kees de Jager, who used to be a Microsoft IT guy, and, and, and he was the Microsoft IT guy for the finance department. I've interviewed him. I've met him. He's an a-hole. And he, um, he all of a sudden became the finance minister. He, listen to this report. Bankers and senior financial service staff will soon have to swear under oath they will carry out their jobs with integrity, put their clients first, and ensure confidence in the banking sector. The oath will form part of the financial service regulator's assessment of people's suitability to the job and one of a package of measures the minister hopes will restore trust in the financial sector. So, and this is being heralded as a great thing. The people in the Netherlands, in general, not the ones who listen to us, are actually saying, oh, they're, they're taking an oath. They're swearing they'll do good. And they're believing it. <laughs> that What's is, the point of this oath? That is just crazy. I take an oath. I okay, take an great. oath. Really? Greece, European railway companies getting ready to buy the Greek uh, rail network. Who's number one? Well, I would guess Warren Buffett. No, <laughs> Russia. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things Buffer, uh, Buffer, Buffer, Buffett that was pointed <laughs> out as trying to block some pipelines, because we, I, one of the things we forget about is the pipeline on rails. Yes. Which is the main way, historically, to that oil has been moved yeah. from point A to point B. Yeah. You create a huge train and this, these pipe, by the way, these these cars that carry oil are big and they're bigger than a pipeline generally by a lot. And you you get a train about a mile long with a bunch of big engines on it. You load that thing up with a ton of oil, and you just haul it to a refinery over the tracks. And yeah. uh, that has always been the main competitor. Works with, great. Uh, yeah, it works with, great. And it does work great until the, if, unless the train falls off the track. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, to sum this up, no one can do it better than our friend from the United Kingdom, Nigel Farage. Would you like to hear two minutes of Nigel railing in I'd European like to hear Parliament? Ten minutes of Nigel. So Nigel is now a president. He's on the he sits on the Starfleet command side, two seats down from Barroso, who literally, while he speaks, laughs at him and mocks him. Yeah, I mean you have to watch these videos. You can find him in the show notes at four zero one dot nashownotes dot com. You really have to watch. These are the elites who have taken over your entire continent. With political correctness, I might add, 
And uh, Nigel was anything but politically correct. It's a great shame Mr. Van Rompuy is not here, because a month ago he told us the worst was over, we'd reached the turning point. He even told us that he'd solved the euro crisis. Well, today we've got a more realistic Mr. Barroso, who says if we follow his policies and stick together, we can solve this in the end. Sorry, no one believes you anymore. And actually, in the face of the rapidly deteriorating situation, these comments look ridiculous. In Spain, mass unemployment gathers by the day, and internal democracy in Spain is now under threat. In Italy, where we were told Mr Monti would sort it all out, growth figures are falling and the bond spreads are worsening. And now an IMF official has come out and said that it is obvious that at some point a euro breakup will happen. These are big changes. The euro is doomed. And your policies, sir, even if Greece accepts the austerity you're putting upon them, even if for the next eight years they obey all of this, they will still in 2020 have a debt GDP ratio of 120%, which makes one ask, what is the point? And in Spain, if Spain was able to increase, the difference is, sir, Britain is not trapped inside the economic prison of the euro. Now take this, if Spain was to increase, if she increased her productivity growth by half a percent a year, which at the moment looks unlikely, if Spain did that, it would take her 40 years to close the competitiveness gap with Germany. These countries were sucked in to a totally false economic boom with artificially low interest rates and they are now paying the price. These policies cannot succeed. Mercifully, outside of this institution, economists the world over now say it is inevitable that the euro will break up. It is just a question of how. And I really hope that the IMF now decide to stop pouring good money after bad into these bailouts. And I really do hope that not one penny piece more of British taxpayers' money goes into propping something up that should be allowed to die. Nigel Farage, Mr. Politically Correct. You hear them mocking him and laughing at him throughout that whole thing? Yeah, that's kind of odd. You know, well, it's not odd. I, I really have to tell you, the only solution for these elites is war, and they would love a civil war. Um, but I don't I, think so. I think, I, I really think that they... I don't think they want a civil war. I think it's the last thing they want. They're going to have their stuff stolen. I mean, this is the reason the elites have been trying to lock everyone down. Take out, take out, get away from my stuff. You That's know what's going to... Every time there's a war, especially in Europe, everybody's stuff gets stolen. The, you know, one guy's roll into town and they steal all your stuff. They, they, they grab the art, they grab the gold, they grab the, you know, everything. They can get a hold of then how the about women, the, how the about, girls, the teenagers. Hey, 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 lay off our women. How about so this? That's, they don't want that. How about this for a scenario? They want this. The, that's, they want the public doped up. Yeah. Completely in, in a, unable to do anything and be put put up with anything that's thrown at them, and then that and then they become toys like the American publics become with the TSA, who essentially just toy with the public now, as though they're like they're the cat and they're, we the, we're the mice, and they poke us and they grab us and they stick us in machines and then they tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, and then we put up with it because we're the, we're we've turned into a country of mice. I think they should, uh, the elites in Brussels should be very prepared for more Knights Templar attacks because you're going to push people too far. Well, you've been saying that, but I'm seeing that you keep them drugged up 
and you keep them bad news. You don't you keep them uninformed and drugged up and stupid, and you don't educate them in schools. I think you can push. You got a long way to go before they get actually worked up. Well, I don't want to see anyone hurt. But oh, this, that's going to happen whether you like it or not. It can't end well. None of this can end well. No, it's not going to end well. I noticed that one of the clips I have, though, uh, talking about news doing a poor job. I got a couple of number of clips of Aaron Burnett saying oh. stupid things, which is great. <laughs> okay. But I was, got a kick out of the CNN coverage of Bahrain and the fact they're just glossing it over. And it's, you can see that them jockeying for position and how they're going to handle this story as it continues to deteriorate. And now to the outer circle where we reach out to our sources around the world. To Bahrain first, where a report from Amnesty International says human rights abuses there are not stopping. That's where we find our fled Plaikin. And we asked him how the government is reacting to the report. Aaron, Bahrain's government denies a lot of the findings of the Amnesty International report. Now, remember, uh, what the report says is that a lot of the reforms that were carried out here were half-hearted, that the security forces are still randomly detaining people, that people are being beat while they are in detention. The uh, Bahraini government says that it's already instigated a lot of reforms of its police force, for instance, that they're receiving extra training, that people are not being put in jail randomly anymore. However, they're also saying that a lot of the reforms that they have have to start simply take time because they have to go through their parliament. It takes time to implement them. And for instance, if you look at the police force, it simply takes a lot of time to train that many police officers. That, of course, for the opposition, for human rights groups, is not enough. They say more needs to be done. And they say a lot of the protests here have very, very real grievances behind them. Aaron? All right. Thanks very much to Fred. And now to Paris. And now to Paris. So, yeah, and the Paris report, now you heard what they said. It's just a, it's a smokescreen. Yeah. Very poor report. Uh, it's obviously that we are government. We don't want anything going on there, so we cover up the, whatever's going on because we'll never find out listening to these people. She does go to the Paris report and, and reports on Pippa. This is where it turns oh, into celebrity sh- Hey, Hollywood news, right. So it goes right from Bahrain to Pippa. And her and the kinky party she went to, where they have clips from. It's they, she went to a. Let me give you a couple before we play the clip. I'll give you a little background on what they're going to show. Now, first they of all, show, let me let me say one thing. Pippa's ass is amazing. Pippa's actually very attractive, but she goes to this party. It's a costume ball. There's nothing kinky going on at all. And then they say, and there's and this guy's and they're showing photos and they say and they're kinky and there's a people with a kinky mask and they show a woman in a mask it's just a friggin mask (laughs) there's nothing kinky about it for kate middleton's younger sister was caught on camera with a man brandishing what might have been a fake gun but now we're finding she was uh, at a dress costume party as well some sort of a kinky party apparently i don't know matthew chance in london we asked him how uh, the family is reacting to pip well, Erin, they must be horrified. Officially, horrified. of course, Pippa is not a member of the royal family, and Buckingham Palace is refusing to comment on her. But the fact is, she is the, the sister of Kate, Prince William's wife, and the future Queen of England. And her conduct does reflect on the royals, whether they like it or not. Check out the, the raunchy costume bash she attended in Paris at the weekend. Dwarves, uh, burlesque dancers, kinky masks. Then there was, of course, this gun incident. One of her uh, wealthy pals here waving a pistol at a photographer as they drove through Paris. It may have been a toy gun. Who knows? But I can tell you, the Queen is unlikely to have been amused. Erin. 
Uh, come Who over cares here. cares what the queen says? And why are they doing this report? This wasn't a kinky, raunchy party. The guy probably did have a fake gun because he was probably being a gangster yeah, at the costume exactly. ball. I mean, that's what you do. Exactly. And so the whole thing was just like completely blown out of her. And I don't understand why they're attacking this woman and making. And they're not. Making, it doesn't matter. All they want to do is just put the bull crap in your distraction, head. Distraction, distraction, distraction. Yeah, just don't don't pay attention to anything but the so bull the, crap. The, the UK papers are all over this bull crap. But this is the problem. But like, why is Aaron covering it? Because she's I mean, bull crap. I she's would a, like to play one more. She's clip a from CFR, her. Council on Foreign Relations, shill, piece of crap, bull crap, biatch. A whore for the elites. <laughs> I'll say it. I don't have to be politically correct. That's the problem. Ooh, they've got kinky masks. Kinky masks. Erin Burnett wouldn't know a kinky party if she fell right in the middle of one. Oh. The one going on now as we speak at CNN. <laughs> See my pants. <laughs> so what do you make of the Neil Haywood thing? Have we gotten any further on figuring that one out? Well, what I from what I understand is that uh, he was going to out the, chi- the the that China dude's wife as uh, yeah, shifting, some corrupt woman shifting money around. Yeah, well, of course she's corrupt, and uh, apparently uh, uh, she gave him cyanide or something to kill him. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Well, we know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the, what are you but asking more, me for? I mean, what was she doing and what is the, you know, why she takes such drastic action? Now she's screwed. I mean, so is her husband. Um, and the Chinese aren't, you know, they're, they're, the BBC story talks about it. I have it. You don't have to play it. Now let's listen to it. The mystery surrounding the death of British businessman Neil Haywood in China has prompted the UK government to ask Beijing for a full investigation free from political interference. Mr. Haywood was in the city of Chongqing when he died and now his death has been linked to a huge scandal within the Chinese Communist Party. Our diplomatic correspondent James Robbins has the story. The Prime Minister with the man ranked number five in China's political hierarchy, Li Chang-chun. Well, Mr Li, can I warmly welcome you to number 10 Downing Street? A first chance for Britain to send a clear message directly to the Chinese leadership. Britain expects a complete and convincing explanation of Neil Hayward's death. I don't think they give a crap. I don't think they want to know. Oh, jeez. What? Well, I'm irritated because I, I can talk to you for as long as I want, but if we don't have the connection, you know, this has been the absolute... Six months, the, we've had perfect connection from Camp MoFo. Austin rated the number one uh, broadband speed city in the United States of Gitmo Nation. And then as we start the show, this happens... This Once is, you get rated number one, then you can fall back on your laurels. But I mean, I'm literally losing. I mean, the connection I can see because I've got my monitors running. The connection is just breaking. I have no connection to the interwebs. That that's what happens. It's just dropping in and out. Stop that! Some guy outside probably wiggling, jiggling the cord. <laughs> it's completely annoying. Well, you should you should complain and not pay for today's connections. Yeah. Here is uh, a news report from Chicago. You heard about the black helicopters training over Chicago? Oh, good. Yeah. 
Hi, good morning to both of you. Yeah, you know what? This is going to be right over here at McCormick Place where the convention center is at. This is going to be one of the areas where they're going to really be beefing up security because this is where the world leaders will be meeting. And between here and their hotels, they're going to be very busy back and forth. Um, so we know that, you know, Secret Service, local police, they're all doing their part to make sure that these dignitaries are safe. And check this out, too. Now, this is some other video we wanted to share with you because it's really, really interesting. You saw this first really, on really. Fox Chicago News. We showed this to you last night. The Black Hawk helicopters that were flying over the Chicago area, doing it in a very low drill-like maneuvers, flying in some very unusual patterns. And it was freaking people out because they were calling our newsroom saying, what's going on? There are military men hanging out of the windows here. And they were flying over the United Center, the medical districts, along the river, the lakefront. But the military, you know, because we checked into it, the military is saying it's not related to NATO. It's part of a training exercise. Okay, whatever. But we don't <laughs> usually see that here in Chicago. And we do have the NATO coming up next month. That's your reporting. Whatever. 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 Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, just some helicopters. It's going to be military flying. And they're flying, like, you know, at three-quarter building height. And the guys are literally out there with their weapons. And what, yeah. Are people just so used to this that it's like, oh. Oh, well, you're getting used to it. I mean, they're dumbed. We have already bitched about this on the show. So, uh, why do they have this? Is what for the G8 or something? Is that what it's for? No, this is the the, the NATO, the big NATO conference. Yeah. Why are they? Let me just. This isn't like an ask Adam. Okay. Why in God's name are they doing such a meeting in Chicago? Well, that's the the that's the the center of power. That's why. Why? Let me back it up again. There are a million places you can go where you can have such a meeting without disrupting the day-to-day lives of this many million people. There's tons of places. And many of them are probably nicer than Chicago when it comes to just having a, you know, a quiet meeting. Yeah, maybe you want to hang out with Chicago hookers, you might want mm. to go to Chicago. Mm. But, but generally speaking, there's lots of great places to have these meetings. You can have it at Camp David for all you you know. Well, that's where they're doing the that's where they're doing the G eight is Camp David, which is smart. So why are they doing this in Chicago? Well, there's only two explanations I can come up with. One is uh, it's the center of power. It's not the center. Even if it's the center of power, why would you want to have your meeting there? It's Maybe. Dumb. Well, we want to test out all that cool hardware we've been paying I think for. It, yeah, I think just to show the Chicago is that the military runs the country and yeah. they're going to have to get used to it. Yeah, we're going to have that uh, LRAD. This is, this is completely unacceptable. We're going to have the long-range audio device to give you instructions and blow out your eardrums at the same time. They should, uh, yeah, they're probably going to test some weaponry on the public. Yeah, I think they should try the pain you ray. If you have it in Juneau, Alaska, you won't get this kind of a outpouring of, of protests. No. Well, you know what? It'll be good because we'll have something to watch. It'll be cool. Yeah, it'll have entertainment value. Yeah, it'll have entertainment else value. To. Exactly. You know, something I missed, uh, John, in the... Uh, we talked about Senate Bill 18, 1813, known as Map 21. Oh, yeah, Map 21. Ugh. Yeah, I missed something, but it was uh, it was brought up online. Because, um, uh, you know, in that it, it contains, all of a sudden it complain, contains this weird language um, that says if you uh, have a, a debt to the IRS of uh, $50,000 or more, your passport will be revoked and you can't travel. So in section 31406, no wonder I missed it. 
vehicle event data recorders. Ooh. Not later than 180 days after the date of enactment of this act, the secretary shall revive, revise part 563 of Title 49, Code of Federal Regulations. And, of course, I've pulled that for you. It is in the uh, show notes at uh, 401.nashownotes.com. To require, beginning with model year 2015, new passenger motor vehicles sold in the United States to be equipped with an event data recorder that meets the requirements under that part. So, are you interested in the requirements? Uh, sure, we might as well finish the show like we always do with some more so, depressing something news. Something really depressing. So, you're now going to be tracked, and uh, the black box will be uh, tracking the following. Uh, ABS activity, airbag warning lamp status, capture, which is the, uh, that's just the the type, it'll have to be in a card, I guess. Uh, The delta V lateral, which is your speed, delta V longitudinal, which is a change in velocity. Uh, Of course, airbag deployment time, uh, end of event time, which means after a so-called crash, engine RPM, engine throttle percent full, so how fast you were going, the type of event, frontal airbag deployment, ignition cycle, uh, how many times you started the car, essentially, um, lateral acceleration, longitudinal acceleration, minimum V delta, so there's all this, basically every single move your car is making. Occupant, yeah, right. Occupant position classification. It's illegal to drive at a certain slow speed on the freeway. Do they have a GPS is what I want to know. Uh, yeah, all, all positions. All positions. Okay, so in other words, yeah. if I'm on the freeway mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going too slow, it'll record that. And if I'm speeding, it'll record that. And it'll know what freeway I'm on and it'll know what the speed limit was. So when I go in to get my smog check, which I have to do every year in California one way or another, every two years, I think it's in older cars, but whatever. You have to get your – it's going to be every year now or every six months. They're going to pull the data from this thing and I'm going to get tickets in the mail. I think it's even worse than that. I think this is a ploy for the insurance companies. Oh, and, no, the insurance companies are part of this scam, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But the, every time I get a ticket in the mail, the insurance goes up, too. Of so course, it's a bonanza. Of course. Yeah. Everybody can make money off of, you know, off of them spying on me in my own car. That's so right. The insurance companies will charge me more money. I'll get tickets, all sorts of tickets for doing whatever, you know, and there's some circumstance that may be legal, but that I won't ever be able to prove it because it's all privatized and nobody wants to hear from you. And it's like those buses that you bitched about last show when the bus has the camera on the front and it's mm-hmm. just looking for more opportunities to, to take our money. And it's a form of tax. Yeah. Oh, and not just the tax. It's, uh, it's, well, it's the insurance companies who win. That's the, that's the bottom line. Insurance uh, companies. The, no, the municipalities, the state of California, the coffers, they're going to make more money on. T- You've seen a ticket in San Francisco, $70 for a parking ticket. Oh, that's nothing. It's you, 116 in Los Angeles now. Okay, it's 160 You can get five tickets. That's more than you're paying in insurance for the month. I mean, you could, these, these municipalities are gouging their citizens. The citizens don't seem to care. Because, you know, there's enough of them on bicycles all the time. They're loud mouths. Oh, we should ever should be on a bicycle. You deserve the ticket. Oh, you should be walking. You deserve the ticket. Oh, you should deserve the ticket. You deserve the ticket. We said we have more bike paths and you won't get so many tickets. Yeah. So, uh, so you get those people. They're always showing up at the city council, you know, so they, they're used. And they're on the news shows, you know, some idiot wants more bicycles. So you're screwed. 
the public at large is screwed. Yeah. And this is a this I I would put this in the in the red book. This is not going to happen. What do you mean it's not going to happen? It's not going to happen. It's it's past. It's done. It can be pulled. Oh, be pulled yeah, it can be pulled. Yeah, it can be pulled. So, John, where do we take all this? What do we do? Do we just sit back and enjoy the ride in coach or what do we do? <laughs> I'd like to be in the observation car personally. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, this is just what are we going to I'm so happy. I'm so happy I moved to Texas. At least here we get a little bit of a feeling of some form of, you know, freedom. We got Ted Nugent right down the road in Waco. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Here's one. The Corrections Corporation of America, you are well familiar with it, the largest for-profit incarceration company in America, sent a letter to uh, municipalities and officials in 48 states offering to buy state prisons and run them for a profit. <laughs> here's the kicker. I mean, if that doesn't get people to give money to our show, here's the just kicker. That tidbit. Here's the kicker. They're you're just you know they're gonna we're, we're not gonna have a show for part of, as part of the deal. States have to agree to keep the prison at ninety percent occupancy. <laughs> so we'll buy your the prisons. We'll run them. You Men just got make money running them. Yeah, but you got to keep the you got to keep the slaves coming in. How awesome yeah. is that? Yeah, and it's, and the <laughs> argument is to the population is look, we got all these horrible prisoners, <laughs> and uh, and you're paying to feed and clothe them at thirty to forty thousand dollar a year per person. You will remove that tax burden, and we'll run the prisons, and we'll make money on the prisons. Yeah. As a matter of fact. What better deal would there be? No, none. It's it's great, and they're signing off on it in droves. They love it. Yeah, yeah, and then they just create slave labor mills. They they've they've institutionalized slave labor in the United States uh, in the form of prison labor. Exactly. Congratulations. And there'll be no recourse, by the way. You know, they're, they're, where they're going to handle it. Who knows how the paroles and all the rest of it's going to work? Because it's just like the parking ticket thing. It's been turned over to private enterprise. You know, this. So the city governments, what do they do anyway? They don't even do anything. Everything's turned over to private enterprise. What's the point of having a mayor? And then you forget a ticket and you have to dispute it. Courts don't care. It's not no. their problem. There's just a kangaroo court. <laughs> And then while you're uh, in New York... And everybody puts things, this is fantastic. <laughs> Mayor Bloomberg's... Uh, Mayor Bloomberg's. We'll just call him Mayor Bloomberg's from now on. Uh, it's worked. He's finally got it. He is now getting the smoking ban in your own home pushed through. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot smoke in your own home. How, how, wow. Yep. I missed that one. Yep. More suppressed news. Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, Wall Street Journal reports, legislation requires buildings to adopt set policies on where smoking is prohibited and permitted and to disclose those rules to prospective tenants and owners. This is more of this is more political correctness. No more political correctness. You, it, this is the one thing you can do. It's the one thing, everyone within the sound of my voice, all 10 of you, here's the thing you can do. Do not participate in political correctness. That part of Breivik, I agree with. 
How about you? Yeah, I'd do my best to avoid it. All right, then let me give you a new jingle. <laughs> the War on Chicken. <laughs> what, some guy cranked that out right during the show? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's our audience, man. That's <laughs> Yellow Jacket. That's Yellow Jacket, man. I'm telling you. How awesome is that? Chicken. <laughs> well, we've had the war on terror. We've had the war on women. I think the war on chicken is just yeah, about par. Just, a, just about par for the course. Perfect. So I see you've disappeared from the face of the earth once again. Yeah. Sorry about that. I have no idea what's going on. It's, uh, I can literally see my connection just pinging out. There we go. I'm back. Literally see the connection just break here. Hello, John. The war on chicken. The war on chicken. So, shall I play the uh, that doctor as an yeah, end of show clip? Play it. It's 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 a good. It, he's interesting. He's always been inter- entertaining. Doctor Thomas Saz. <laughs> Keep everything coming, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That means noagendanewsnetwork.com, uh, where you can always uh, uh, find cool stuff twenty four seven. Still looking for a trailer for Ms. Mickey and myself to sleep in for our Hot Pockets two thousand nine tour, preferably one that we can pick up in Texas. She'll be doing a mass email to everyone in the Western states uh, who wanted us to come uh, on the two thousand eight tour. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, go to noagendanation.com to pick up and I, uh, some I, you know, I might do a tweet up out here in the Bay Area to take a train ride to the, this is the real nerdy one, to take the train from San Jose or all parts, all the Amtrak stops that go to the Sacramento Train Museum. Wow, that's riveting. Ah, I knew you'd <laughs> like that. Hey, by the way, so play this Zaz thing and then play your uh, auto-tuned rendition of the No Agenda theme followed by the Adios Mofo and a No Agenda uh, <laughs> donation thing. Hey, wait, wait, you're making it's me a request. Like, you're making me like the Nixon's secretary during Watergate. Okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is the request. I'll do my and best. Then, yeah, All right. The no agenda donation thing. All right. Coming to you from Camp Mopo here in uh, the Drone Star State, the capital of that, being Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, my name is Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where it is Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday right here, hopefully, depending on the connection and how they're trying to disturb everything on No Agenda. School authorities tell a mother, as you already heard, that her son is sick and needs to be on drugs, how in the world is she to know that that is simply a lie? How is she to recognize that what experts now call attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is simply not a disease? Now, such a mother is not an expert in the history of psychiatry. She does not know that psychiatrists have for hundreds of years, use diagnostic terms, so-called diagnostic terms, to stigmatize and control people. I will only give you a few dramatic examples. When black slaves in the South ran away to freedom, it wasn't that they wanted to be free. They suffered from a disease called drapetomania, from drapetes, runaway slave and mania. I'm not making this up. This was a legitimate diagnosis, just like attention deficit disorder is. (laughs) Women, half the population of mankind, of course, if they were foolish enough to rebel against domination by men, well, then they had a serious disease called hysteria. 
which was due to their wandering womb. Now, none of those behaviors was ever a disease, and of course, it's not a disease. But nor is attention deficit disorder a disease. No behavior or misbehavior is a disease or can be a disease. That's not what diseases are. So it doesn't matter how a child behaves. There is nothing to examine. <laughs> if he's sick, then there must be some objective science to it, which can be diagnosed by physicians and objective tests. As soon as you go to a doctor, they take a lot of blood and take x-rays. They don't want to hear how you behave. <laughs> when I went to medical school 60 years ago, there were only a handful of mental diseases. I think there were no more than six or seven. Now there are more than 300. And new ones are, quotes discovered every day. Labeling a child as mentally ill is stigmatization, not diagnosis. Giving a child a psychiatric drug is poisoning, not treatment. I have long maintained that the child psychiatrist is one of the most dangerous enemies, not only of children, but of adults, of all of us who care to the most precious and most vulnerable things in life. And those two things are children and liberty. Now I ask again, how can parents protect their children from the therapeutic state? That is from the alliance of government and psychiatry. Basically, I think in the final analysis, they can only do so by disabusing themselves, getting rid of the idea that what ails an unhappy and misbehaving child, and there are, of course, many such children, in fact, all children at some time, that such a child is having a mental illness and that the so-called treatment can help him. This is simply not so. Diseases are malfunctions of the human body of the heart, the liver, the kidney, the brain, and so forth. Typhoid fever is a disease. You all know that, you don't question that. Spring fever <laughs> All you have to know is English. <laughs> Spring fever is not a disease. Now, why not? Because we all know that it's a figure of speech, a metaphor, a little piece of poetry. Now, so are all mental diseases. Mental disease is a metaphor. The task we set ourselves to combat psychiatric coercion is important. I think it's important. You all think it's important. Not enough people think it's important. It's a noble task, a task in the pursuit of which we must, regardless of obstacles, persevere. Our conscience commands that we do no less. The War on Chicken. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A